If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hello, Internet. It is time for a completely unnecessary podcast for Wednesday, May 6th, 2015. Alongside my bearded fellow, Ian Ferguson. Well, it's not my fellow. It's all your fellow. But time for a trim, actually. Time all for right. a haircut for me. I'm Pat Contry. Ian, doing all right? Before I, that, though, <laughs> on the show today, you will be talking about uh, Silent Hills is officially dead. Uh, we'll talk, be, be talking about uh, an offshoot of that, Scumbag sell, Sellers of the Week, plural, trying to sell their PS4s with a PT demo on them for 1000 bucks. ESPN2 airing eSports Live on Sunday, August 26th in the Backlash. From that, the Yuka Laylee Kickstarter. Uh, YouTube producing movies and series with YouTube stars, in huge quotes. Nintendo giving an update on its lack of amiibo supply, maybe reprints on the way? The Avengers Age of Ultron review, Suicide Squad photo reveals, and your Q and A. So back to you, Ian. What, how's it going? <laughs> uh, well, hmm, <laughs> that bad, huh? How much do I disclose? Um, Ups and downs, gutters and strikes. It's 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 been a rough weekend uh, for uh, uh, family stuff back home, but I am keeping myself together and i'm ready to do a podcast um other than that i mean not a whole lot's been happening i just came off a 10 day stint at rehab? Uh, no running the store oh. <laughs> yes it, kind of uh retail rehab um running the store while uh Treg was out of town um full of fun things like power outages uh employees not doing uh even the simplest of tasks mm, and me me ripping my hair out can't um, afford it there's a lot of times where I realize, and it's pretty much every time Treg goes out of town, town, where I am very happy to be the manager and very happy I am not the owner because there's just an extra level of bullshit that you have to deal with right, you get the, you get, when you're at the top. But you get the big bucks if you're the owner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd rather take less money uh, and, and preserve my, my sanity. Yeah. So, I mean, we announced this last time, but we're gonna be at we're going to be at too many games end of June. Indeed. And I guess we got a huge uptick in sales for that event after we announced it on the podcast. Well, that's good. People will be enjoying our shenanigans there live, and we're going to love everyone that's going to be at that event. All the other people there are going to just give them a big old hug while we're there, Ian and I. Oh, um, so such what, a big hug. I put on, mm. a, I put on, I put out a flea market madness um, on Saturday or Sunday, so that was cool. And then um, I put out, I had a Patreon video since October, but I put it live recently. And of course, I, I, I people like, why, there are people, I, I didn't enable the comments on it because I didn't want to deal with the bullshit. Fair. And so people on other videos were unfortunately commenting, like my appearance at Combrava. I feel bad now because I didn't, I didn't think about that totally, that they were commenting on that video. And Combrava was going to have me out at the end of July. So I'm going to be there. Um, so I did that, and it's just like the Patreon video has been out since October. Every video I put out, Flea Market Madness, Ask Frank, Pathianus Punk, just about has my Patreon there. At the end of my Pathianus Punk, Flea Market Madness, there's a huge icon that says support my Patreon there. It's like people just want a reason just to attack you. 
fuck off. I don't, I don't have the energy to care about Well, peop- a lot of people don't consider YouTube a valid means of making money, and that's dumb, because it's... Because it's established. There's, it's a multi, you know, almost, it's almost billion-dollar industry now where, you know, you have all this money, whatever. Like, TV and radio, it's still just a media outlet, yeah. and those people get paid. So, <laughs> so, when it, so when it goes away, you can complain, but until it does, eh. Um, other than that, though... Uh, I got a birthday coming up. We'll see if I can, I'm going to celebrate it. I'm getting older and grayer. I think I'm grayer than you, man. That's only because of the, the beard. You don't have anything in your hair, really. It's just, it's, right, it's all it's all like concentrated right here. It's a little slash across my you, mouth you, you, right here. I get a little gray hair and a little gray hair. You got to get like the Keith Hernandez just for men. <laughs> with, no. with Walt Clyde Frazier going, he shoots, he scores. Emmett Smith with the maid, they're like, that means I'm going to get laid because I have... No white in my in my face layer. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I like my grays. They are reminders that I've made it this far. My ex loved the little grays I got on my hair because he said it's blending. It's just gonna look like it's like blending in. You know, I mean, it's like sparse. So you get salt and peppery. Yeah, I'll get the the Clooney. Yeah, people thought I looked like George Clooney when I was in high school. So I look more like Clooney, and he gets, he gets all the babes. <laughs> I think you'd need a serious haircut. To... I, I had the Clooney haircut in high school. Everyone did the Julius Caesar <laughs> yeah. that he had in high school during the Batman and Robin days in '97. Actually, my hair now is more like my hair in high school than... <laughs> really? Yeah, than anything since. My hair was never this long except when I was like five years old. It's always been short. My hair hasn't been this long since high school. I should get a haircut. Yeah, but yeah, it's probably the longest both our hair has been. In quite some time, at least. So we go back and watch those video game years clips with us, and we're like... Yeah, that's even like a year ago. At least when your hair was a lot different even a year ago. I'm like, well... Yeah. Or, if we go back to see like the, like the 82, 81 years that we shot like two and a half years ago already, we're like, holy shit, we look totally different, both of us. Well, just... It's funny if you just like do a quick glance at like screen caps from all the different podcasts, you watch me degenerate further and further <laughs> into, uh, you know, bearded, you look totally man. Well, the, from the first one we did in there, yeah, you were like short hair, no facial hair, like, yeah. And I'm there with my short hair. I was like the opposite. Yeah, I had short hair too, I think. Yeah, when I started. The... No, it was, it was long when I started we're just getting way off topic. Let's talk about let's talk about something we brought up before about you know Hideo Kojima. Well, so, well, it was rumored that he was gone from Konami. He was going to stay on for Metal Gear Solid. And when we, when we when this happened, we both said, "Will he stay with Silent Hills because he's attached to it?" And I think I would hate to go back and and be wrong, but I think I might have been, I think I might have been a little bit over positive because I wanted it to happen. I guess me too. Um, but I think we thought, hey, maybe. He would stick around for Silent Hills. Or my thinking all along was, if he's gone for good, maybe him and Del Toro have laid enough groundwork that Del Toro and the team could at least push it through to completion within within the realm of what Kojima would have wanted to have done. Sure, I mean, it got huge buzz, very positive reaction to the, to the PT demo that took everyone by surprise. Yes. You have Norman Reedus, a big star from Walking Dead attached. Del Toro, big director attached to this project. who ha- Who's already been shafted on one video game and has now been shafted on two. That's, that, that's good for him. Um, so, I mean, so yes, Silent Hills is officially dead. Um, and that sucks. Um because I played the PT demo, and like a lot of people, I adored it. Um, some people did not like the fact that the puzzles were obtuse, or that the whole game was obtuse. I loved the fact that it was a very out there, weird sort of thing that you just had to figure out. It plays like a game in its own right, as you walk through and figure out what you need to do to get out of this this looping hallway. Um, and it showed a lot of promise for what could have been a 
a, a truly psychological game. Sure. Um, certainly more so than past, uh, you know, recent Silent Hills. And a lot of people were looking forward to it. A lot of people were eagerly getting PlayStation 4s. And honestly, I know a lot of people who got PS4s, and the first thing they did was download the PT demo because that's what they wanted to play first. Um, anytime someone comes over to my house and hasn't played the PT demo, I put the controller in their hand and just let them walk around until they, until they get scared shitless. And most, so most people had the reaction that was supposed to be yeah. scared, and, and, entertained. And the jump scare is not even the mo- the scariest part. It's, it's, it's the setting and the way this weird setting kind of changes and morphs as, as you constantly loop around it. Um, so it's gone. And unfortunately... Um, Konami did, everyone knew it was dead, but Konami put the official nail in the coffin and said, yes, it's done. What I think is worse is that Konami said in the same breath that they are committed to bringing out new Silent Hill titles. Why? Why would you want to bring out something that wasn't... Look, PT was looking to be a guaranteed hit. You had a fucking amazing team behind it in the three I mean in the three large people who are working on it what if if Konami puts out another Silent Hill game which I find doubtful um, it's going to be the same old crap we've gotten in the past years the game's lost all of its smart psychological horror um, it's it's really lost a lot from what it was so my thing is, I don't believe Konami is going to be putting out many more games, period, after Metal Gear Solid Five, They have no money, they have no developers, no talent, and they have no goodwill anymore. No one likes Konami at this point. I, I, this was shocking just because, I mean, you had a pedigree behind it, obviously. Right. You had a big star involved. You assume they paid Norman Reedus money up front to do motion capture probably well in advance. I'm sure he did not do it for free. No. Del Toro didn't do it for free. He's a busy guy. He's producing movies. So to get his input, there was probably a fee there, too, or some sort of deal worked out. So they're cutting their losses in some weird way. They're thinking that this wouldn't have come out and made money even without Kojima involved. That's a whole other issue. But they thought this couldn't have came out anyway. So what's going on? What sort of turmoil is behind the scenes where, uh, you know, you figure at least there's a demo out. And the demo came out, like, already like five months ago? Six months? Longer, probably. Yeah, I mean... So this is in development. Halloween. This is a bit in development, yes. you know? So all of a sudden... All that work's gone. And it, it's upsetting because one of the main reasons I really felt like it, it could have been something special was, well, one, it showed that it could have been, but two, when it was canned, when Del Toro said that it wasn't going to happen, when um, Redis said that it wasn't going to happen, uh, they genuinely seemed upset. They genuinely seemed that like they were very much into this project. And I believe with the right creative team who really wants something to get done, you are going to get a good product most of the time. At least they're going to try and if there's faults you're going to be able to take them with the good. Sure. Um, with Konami I think what what we're seeing is Konami transitioning from a console game maker to probably a mobile game maker or app maker. And, and my, my reason for thinking this is simply when you look at how they've trashed previous series that they've they've had in the vault that are classics, like Castlevania, when they took Igarashi off the Castlevania games that he was making for the GBA and the DS that were so popular, and they put him on fucking mobile dating sims for, I mean, months until he just 
was fed up and left. I, I think they're really dumping their money into um, games and applications that are going to be played on the uh, you know the Japanese equivalents of things like Twitter and um, and, and Facebook. Uh, the names elude me now, but I know there are. So it, it, it's it's sad. So they really look at this as. You look, at least you see this as they're stepping away from the console market entirely. At least the big marquee titles are just going to focus on this little shit that doesn't cost us that much money to make, and we're still going to turn a profit. Well, I mean, someone can prove me wrong, and I'm sure they will, but I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. With this off the slate, besides MGS5, what do they have coming out? What, what have they announced? Well, you have E3 about a month away, so it's going to be very interesting to see what, what, what the buzz will be around that booth. And you know what? What's the store they're going to present? I mean, it's a little weird, which you brought up about saying, "Well, we're canceling this Silent Hill game you're excited about, but we're leaving the door open for future ones." Yeah, no one I mean, cares like, anymore. That's like saying we're going to cancel the say say they came out with the Star Wars teaser, then we're going to we're going to cancel post production now. There's no movie, but we might make a Star Wars movie in the future. And it's like, what the hell were you doing then? What, Look, what was that, the point? That goes back to what I said at, at first. This was the game that everyone thought was going to, you know, turn Konami around and bring them back as a game developer. Because let's be honest, Konami's been fucking shit for years. And uh, by canceling it, Konami is now dead to a lot of people. Like I said at the beginning, they've they've killed. They, they have no gone. more goodwill. It doesn't matter what they put out in the future. That Silent Hill or Metal Gear, but without without your head, without your key creative people like Igarashi and Hideo Kojima, wh- who's going to give a fuck? Gamers are getting smarter. They know that when these key people leave, you're not going to get the same experience. People didn't necessarily realize that when key people started leaving Square and, you know, the Final Fantasy started to go downhill. But now I think with the internet and everyone paying attention to games a bit more, everyone realizes who's integral to making these things work. And with those people gone, what's the interest? So you're saying, okay, they're more, it's more it's more like being following a director for movies. Exactly. Or, or following even, I guess, a band, really. And then, and then if, the, if the, the lead singer leads or the lead guitar guitars leads, you're like, screw it. I'm not going to stick with this. Yes, you it's know, no longer... Do it. It, pe- I don't think people blindly follow series any longer. They're more interested in who's behind what's being worked on. Just like when um, KG and Afune left um, Capcom... People really kind of stopped caring about Mega Man games, and they started following what he was doing, which is making another Mega Man game under the name Mighty Number no. Nine. Mighty Number no. Nine, you know, and and people care more about that. Um, so, so, anyways, this this it, is a, it, it, it's depressing because it's Konami. This isn't like, you know, this is like a huge developer that's been around forever, and now they're just sort of just slowly going down the to- toilet. Konami fucked. Capcom, mostly fucked. Sega. Sega, fucked. We're, I mean, all of our childhood like favorites are slowly pissing away I, everything they have. I, I guess we would have had the same reaction when Jalico left in the mid nineties. Like, <laughs> I was very <laughs> upset, you know. But this is this is Konami. Jalico was was fairly big. Konami's was huge. Yeah, were, like one of the biggest you know third party console publishers ever, mm-hmm. along with Capcom. All right, so, so this, all, all those people that love Silent Hills, you're not going to get it. And maybe you'll see a new game on your app. You'll see a Silent Hills game on your app this yeah, October. A Silent Hills dating sim. <laughs> uh, which nurse are you going to go after? Uh, this this is a good time for us to lead right into our scumbag. The, the scumbag, bag, 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 seller, seller, seller of the week, 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 week. A lot more uh, delay and reverb in that one than, than, than usual. Um, so now with... With Silent Hills canceled, Konami is keen to wipe any 
evidence that this game ever existed off the map. Which is fucked up from a video game preservation point of view. I'm Which just going to say that. Last time on the podcast, we brought about what happens to these games on right. systems. They're gone. So, of course, just like when uh, Flappy Bird got taken off of uh, the App Store, you had people selling f- iPhones with Flappy Bird on it and trying to get all this money for them. It was a luxury item. Yes. Or- now, you have PS4s that people are trying to sell for like 1000 or $1,200 that have the PT demo on it. This is scummy for, oh, a huge number of reasons. Um, one, PT never costs anything to download in the first place. Uh, that's three times, uh, three times the amount of a normal PS4. Sure. Uh, but the thing that people need to realize, and I'm sure a lot of people do, is that if you get someone else's PlayStation 4 with PT on it, as soon as you want to use that PlayStation 4 for anything that is yours, yours personally, you have to remotely yours personally, change the you're going to have to fucking wipe the system anyways, and you're not going to have access Unless to it Unless you anymore. log in as that other person that gives you the login. Which if you- they give you the login. And that's well, that's a lot of trust. I have another issue. This was downloaded millions of times. Yes. So, I mean, how does it make any sense that you're going to be paying a premium on something that any other person has on their PlayStation. Go over to your friend's house and play it. Uh, first the thing of all, is, is, well, the reason I just want to comment on that real quick. I think what they're doing is, is they're they're jumping the gun by trying to sell now. I think where they're trying to hope to make this quote unquote money is, look, we're not that far into this generation. Plenty of people who want to own PS4s don't own them yet. It's the people I think who won't get a chance to get a download PT that they're banking on being stupid enough to buy one of these. I'm just gonna say this. I'm gonna, there's been a there's about ten or twenty for sale. There's been about seven or eight that have sold between six fifty and fifteen hundred. I'm calling Bravo Sierra knows. I think those are plants to get the, to pump up the price and see the, to, sh- to show the people that there's, there's a value there from the sellers. Because one person tried selling one and it was it was bought with zero feedback. Someone yeah, I'm yeah, not buying no. it. Mm-mm. I ain't buying it. You're not selling um, twelve hundred. You're not selling a thousand dollar PS4 with zero feedback in PT. Yeah, exactly. So. um... Uh, one sold for $12.99 with 15, 15 installed games and five demos. So maybe they figured the 15 installed games is worth that much, not just the PT. But calling it rare, it's not rare. It's no. not rare. Especially if Konami wanted to, they could say, fuck it, we'll put it back online and charge you five bucks. You know I mean, like, it's on a, a, literally a million consoles. That's not rare. Konami won't, though. I mean, like I said, but, Konami... But, but no, I'm just saying it's scummy... All the way around. It's coming all the way around, but to call it rare, it's not rare. It's digital. It's not rare. Nothing that digital is rare. Yes. You know, it, it can be easily distributed. It's not physical. At some point, someone will crack the PS4, and PT can be on everyone's PS4. Yeah, they'll, they'll figure out a way to transfer Five, it. ten years. I mean, it, it, it will hopefully come back. But, I mean, to me, I would never want to sell my PS4 for that amount with PT on it, because... It does feel nice to know you have something, to know that you're preserving something that another company does not want you to have. That's kind of uh, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, warning-wise, um, this is one of the first things that has been wiped from a marketplace, and you cannot re-download it if you delete it. It is completely gone. That's how badly Konami doesn't want people to remember PT or Silent Hills. So... That said, yes, in the future, it will probably be preservable. If you have a copy, it's pretty small, and I'd really recommend you just keep it on your system. I, not that I think anyone listening who has it would delete it at this point, but certainly don't. Like you said, there's going to be a way, whether it's five years from now, to transfer it to another system from the hard drive. Hell, hell, a PS4 emulator. 
is not out of the realm of possibility down the line. You know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, even if we're talking 10 years in the future, this will find its way back to, to people. Konami will put it on a disc on a collection. You know, who knows if they're still around. They're not just making, like you said, like horror dating sims. <laughs> you know, instead of putting out franchises people actually want and not just, you know, one of their three, uh, you know, you know, the uh, whatever. It's it's just it's just scummy. We haven't done a scumbag so week in a while, but it's just it, yeah, you're, you're right. It's a Flappy Bird thing again, where mm-hmm. it's just oh, it's a game that'll be available again anyway. Because or, it's gone, people are preying on the uh, on people's instinctive gut reactions. Oh my god, this thing that I liked is gone. I don't have it. Should I need it? But I still don't think they're actually selling. But, but I, they, I, I, no, still, I still don't think they're selling. But if they liked it, why wouldn't they have had it? And plus, they got a heads up when but, they figured out that it was going to go by by. They had like at least a week to download it. Still, like I know. said. We're not that far into this current generation. I think what they're hoping to eventually prey on are people who are just getting PS4s who couldn't. Who couldn't get PT. So this was a, a momentous occasion. At least for some people. We'll talk about why I think it's not a huge deal. So ESPN2 aired an eSports event. They aired it on uh, Sunday night, August the 26th. Kind of surprised a lot of people. I had no idea it was happening. It Wait, was, August 26th? Oh, excuse me. It was uh, April 26th. April. April 26th. No, in the future! <laughs> April 26th. And my notes are totally it wrong. It a lot of people. It a lot of people in the future. Doc Brown came back and told us. <laughs> um, so it was uh, Blizzard's Heroes of the Dorm Tournament. So there's a, there's a uh, cl- closed in beta, in beta, still in closed beta, uh, Heroes of the Storm. It's their version of League of Legends or, or, or Dota. You know, the, the, how do you describe these games? They are overhead uh, perspective, and you 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 do melee attacks. You do uh, they're team based. You do magic attacks. I'm just gonna shut my mouth and not even try because someone's gonna fucking kill me over it. But I, I just that's, don't know. That's the genre, though, yeah. for the most part. I mean, they're, they're streamed a lot. They're very. It's one of the the, the, the you know the more the the quote unquote more played esports games is, is that genre. Yeah, from what I understand, they're team based tactical, and I think they involve capturing ter- like territories. Whenever I whenever I look at them, I look like wow, it almost looks like Starcraft from above or some sort of Warcraft sort of thing. But you have a character, you have to watch the health, you can recover health. It's not you know what I mean. It's not like you're just going to die instantly. It's probably fun, yeah. but sure, all these games are fun. So it aired. Um, I'm I'm guessing that Blizzard sponsored this in some capacity. Makes sense to me. They were giving away money. It was colleges against other colleges. So people were excited about it. People that, that are fans of video games, and especially this genre, uh, whatever you call it, uh, MOBA genre, you know, MOBA, uh, they were excited about this event because it was on <laughs> television. There were people that were sports fans that were flipping through channels ESPN2. They're like, what the hell is this? Why is there video games on ESPN2? So I'm more interested in talking about the reaction about those two sides, and I'm going to just going to say that obviously I think both are overreacting. No, I, I mean, okay, I mean you go ahead. First off, if you're a fan of video games or esports, which uh, I'm just calling professional gaming, or more commonly calling that professional gaming, the fact that it's on ESPN two, you shouldn't care for, for for a few reasons. It's not going to expose people that are watching ESPN2 to a game, you're not going to draw in that many new fans to, to, to your game. You're either watching the game because you want to watch the game, or you're a confused ESPN viewer who doesn't know what the shit is going on and doesn't want to watch it. And my issue with this is, you can say, yay, this is a victory because we have it on TV, but everyone who's into this stuff, whether it's fighting game tournaments, watching professional MOBA, whatever, 
It's all streamed. They watch streams. I don't know anyone who doesn't watch these things on streams. This generation of gamers, we were talking mid-20s or even early 20s and before, they don't watch TV anymore. No. They probably couldn't find ESPN2 on the fucking dial. I can't. Remember the oldie days of the dial? <laughs> I'm 32 and I don't even know how to operate a cable They haven't heard anymore. of the dial. Yeah. They're, they're, they're too young. <laughs> so, I mean, so it's not a victory. It's not. Especially if there was probably money paid. Uh, TSPN2 to air this, you know why I think there was money paid? It drew a .1 rating, which was roughly 100,000 people. That is fucking terrible for a station like ESPN2. Didn't, didn't one of the head guys at ESPN say he wouldn't ever air that shit anyways? He said it back in the fall that I would never air this. Well, Blizzard might have came to him with a bag of money yeah, and said air this. Money makes things happen, but that I mean that makes it even worse. So, it, I mean, it's not a victory. It's not like someone looked at it and said, you know what, this deserves a spot on television. It was bought and paid. Yeah, so this is bad because I, I hope the money made up for the fact that advertisers are what run network advertising dollars. If they see a, uh, something with a point one, they are not going to put advertising dollars on that show. No. So then ESPN2, is, if they're not being paid off, will be less likely to run that in the future. So it's not a victory. So I'll just say that. Uh, so for those sports fans that were upset about seeing video games on your channel, you have somewhat of a right to freak out, being you're not, you're not used to seeing this, but don't think that it's going to take over your channel, because I don't see that happening either. It's not like you're going to start seeing this every week. It's yeah. the same way as like seeing, like they air, they air, they air like poker on ESPN2, but it's like twice a year only for like the major It's a couple of tournaments, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's not taking over the channel. Otherwise, it's at like on 2 in the morning, you know, or ESPN360 will run it, like the third or fourth ESPN channel will run it. So I just think it's interesting. Uh, the ESPN-affiliated radio host Colin Cowher went over the top by saying, he'd rather stick a gun in his mouth than be forced to cover esports. I don't think you're going to be forced to cover esports. I just don't think. I also think uh, Cowherd's fucking nonsense human, but whatever. Um, he, he brought up Donkey Kong and Harry Potter in the same sentence during his rant. This is reported from Forbes. That time traveled from 93 and was aimed at nerds. So he's just out of touch. Yes. Well, we're going to get into this topic later is that there is crossover between sports fans and, and gamers. Maybe not for this genre in particular, uh, more so than others. But it's not like if you like sports, you automatically hate video games or vice versa. That's not the world we are in. No, and that's not the, that's not the issue at hand. No, the issue is the audience, your TV audience, not expecting or not wanting the content and ending up with a point a point one rating. You know, it's like it, it's like worse than like a Seinfeld rerun. Sure. That's gonna be on randomly. It's like you going know. to Cartoon Network and finding a documentary. Yeah. So yeah, so people on Twitter back and forth. Um so there's there's a there's an argument made that though that, you know, esports professional gaming is growing and it is. So ESPN could capitalize this and work it in the rotation. However, there is the alienation of your current fans. So you would alienate fans that wanted to see, you know, Sports Center or whatever else, or hell, a guy like Frank who wants to watch, I don't know, uh, a random, say they air like a random amateur wrestling event and he wants to watch that or just see highlights. So you're going to alienate those sports fans. And again, you're not going to grow the audience from these gamers because they're, again, like you said, they're watching it on Twitch, they're watching it streamed live on YouTube or wherever else, they're not going to go and find their TV. A lot of young people don't even have cable anymore. They I'm don't. Sure, I'm sure a lot of the people who thought, thought it was a victory simply thought it was a victory because they thought it was cool it got on TV and good for you, but I bet you a lot of those people still watched it on the streams that they always watch it on. I would I would parallel the reaction to this as if, if ESPN2, ESPN2 all of a sudden ran wrestling, like pro wrestling, <laughs> 
you'd get the same reaction. Like, like what the hell is this? Right. This isn't a sport. Sure. So that's why I wouldn't be upset, uh, gamer people, about it. It'd be the same exact reaction. It's not it's not a mainstream athletic sport, so they're going to be upset about it. So I don't I don't see this taking off, like I said, unless there's a ton of money thrown. ESPN's two-way to keep this going until there's a decent rating, but a point one rating is not, not boding well. Yeah. Is that your phone? Uh, sure. That's not boding well either. I thought that was your stomach at first. <laughs> <laughs> that too. So, it's been a while since we've seen a Kickstarter go absolutely fucking nuts. Um, but let's talk about ukulele. Um, so ukulele is a platformer from some of the key members of the Banjo-Kazooie and the uh, Donkey Kong 64 team. Um, they did not want uh, very much money to begin with, honestly, to make this game. And they quickly uh, hit all stretch goals, and right now they're sitting at $2,198,406. How, and how much time? Uh, less than a week. Less, yeah, like, uh, they did most of that in a day. I mean, I remember watching, uh, before I even knew what it was, there were people on Twitter, I mean, updating by, like, every 5-10 minutes that they had hit another stretch goal. I mean, this money just came pouring in. So... What is it? It's 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 essentially if you look at the characters you can lately, it is going to be another banjo kazooie type game. Um, there's a lizard and there's a uh, bat. Uh, the lizard is a male, the bat is a female, and the bat's on the back of bat's on the back, much like uh, uh, banjo and kazooie. The same, even the same structure. You know okay. how how they sit. Um, it's going to be a 3D platformer, and they promise a return to the rare style 3D platformers of the Nintendo 64. It looks cute, and it does look colorful, and I think the character design, you know what, I didn't like it at first. Uh, it's grown on me. I think they're kind of neat-looking characters. Sure. Um, I think the concept art is pretty great, and some of the ideas that they even talk about, like a pinball-themed level and whatnot, is very cool. What's interesting to me about this is they are touting the fact that it's a return to their old form. And they even mention that there are going to be collectibles for progression called pages. So what confuses me is I think different age levels maybe have different nostalgia for different things. Or, I mean, it could just be personal taste, but I mean... And Pat can back me up or argue me on this. When we go back to the N64 era, when it came out... Um, Games like Donkey Kong 64 and Banjo-Kazooie were not exceptionally well-regarded among game players, especially Donkey Kong 64. Banjo-Kazooie fared a little bit better, but because they were these very... All you did was collect stuff to move on. You ran around these environments, and you stressed yourself out trying to find these stupidly hidden items just so you could move on. The progression of the game, therefore, felt very stunted, unlike a Mario where you're constantly moving forward. Even a Sonic, where you're constantly moving forward and progressing and seeing new things, there's lots of backtracking and hunting and pecking. And personally, I always got upset trying to play these games. I'm, I'm glad. I'm always glad when these projects get fun, just because if people want it and they can't get it otherwise, here you go. No, I'm very happy that these the, are mean, people involved with the original creation, and they're you know the happy the happiness of others on this has me more excited about it than I ever would have been because I'm seeing a lot of genuine glee and joy out of it, and that's cool. I just 
what I'm, I, I, what I guess I'm wondering is when did that gameplay style suddenly come back into fashion? Well, it didn't. 3D platformers died out around the PlayStation era. They, yes. You know, so, and they, and they died out for a reason. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the love was the fact that it was new. Exactly. And, and and most of them weren't well done. Mario 64 is considered a classic because they it's Nintendo managed to do it right and help ex- explode that 3D platformer genre. But after that, you run out of real quickly, you run out of games that are considered classic in the 3D platformer realm. The only one that I would I would say that I liked beyond was uh Rayman 2 because it also focused less on the collecting as a means of progression. I th- I think this is um this is a case of not be careful of what you wish for, but maybe this is a little rose-tinted glasses. Yes. This is, I loved playing this game when I was 10 or 9 or 8, when I, on, the, on the 64. It's 20 years later, just about. Now let's play another 3D platformer since I haven't seen it, and they're going to forget, like you said, the shortcomings of the genre. It gets monotonous very, very quickly. Not just monotonous in terms of it's just, like you said, collecting stuff, going back and forth. Oh, you talk to this person. Find this banana. Find this key. Come back to me. 3D platforming is, is, when it's not done well, it's awkward. It's very awkward. Because a lot of it, what I'm talking about is not even keys or things like that. It's, it's you arbitrarily need 30 coins for this door to open so that you sure. can continue. Well, I'm just saying just the mechanics are awkward. Yeah. It's just hard when you're in the 3D mode. It's hard to gauge the, the depth sometimes of going. I mean, people talk about some of the worst parts in, in, the, in the Zelda 3D game is doing those platforming sections and, you know, just getting around those areas. You know what I mean? And so, to me, that's not... To, to me, a platformer only works if it's, like you said, you're constantly moving forward, you're quick, you can you know you're very precise with the controls, and I haven't played a huge amount of the Banjo games, but I played a little bit, just to know that it's 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 not my thing. It's just not my thing. No. But if you grew up with it, of course, oh, I like playing these games. But I think this could be the case of once you play it, you'll be like, oh, this is fine, but... I don't see this like relaunching the genre. No, I, I just don't. See, I don't see. I don't even. I don't even see it being like the point and click adventure games, where the genre, the, the genre wasn't the game. Like for this, the genre is more the game versus a point and click, or it's just the structure of the game. Does that make sense? Yes. It does. This is the, the draw mm-hmm. is the genre itself, and that's a very dangerous thing to get into because if the charm of that wears off, what are you left with? You're left with a bare bones experience, like you said. Where you, it can get tiresome after an hour. Because or two. what they could have done, and I'm not saying that they're not, but part of the reason that these older games were collectathons was because of restrictions of hardware. You could only make your environments so big. Before I had to reload. Before you had to do more, before you had to create a new level, before yeah. your cartridge space or your disk space was just totally taken up. So you had to give people a reason to stay in one area and not blow through these areas. It's why games like Mega Man were made hard to, to, to artificially create a longer game. Um, <clears throat> what they could do with this is make larger levels without the collectibles and keep progression moving. You could create a gorgeous world for these two characters to explore. Um, and maybe they will, but then if everything, if progression is still based on collectibles, then that becomes even more frustrating because you have more ground to cover to find these things. Some of the stretch goals are interesting. I mean, one, it'll be interesting how they play out. Like a two to four player local multiplayer mode, a co-op buddy mode. I guess one controls the bat. Um, that's be interesting if it's one screen or two. Um, a quiz mode. <laughs> Four more local multiplayer games added to the 
I guess they'll add different modes, maybe like a Bomberman mode. I don't know. Well, see, this is what I did like about it is like they obvious the, the people who are making it obviously want to have fun with an N sixty four shader mode. Yes, they're also going to do the bad frame rate with yes. that too. You know, I mean, the, they're they're having fun with it, and like I said, the people who are excited for it, I'm glad you're excited, and I hope it turns out well. I just don't. Under, I just don't know why this needs it's a, revisiting. It's not for us, obviously. Yes. It's for these people. Sure. It's the same way that these people wouldn't buy a, a Space Quest Kickstarter, but I would. Right. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. So I'm just, like I said, I'm just skeptical, skeptical of just people getting tired of it. But hey, if they didn't get tired of Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie, they won't get tired of this. Maybe it's one last trip down memory lane. Sure. So this was an announcement, and we comment on YouTube news from time to time. <laughs> it's interesting. Sometimes we get a lot of flack for it. Yeah, we do. But I don't think we care that much about the flack. No, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> I do, but who cares? So YouTube is getting, I guess, into creating and producing movies and TV series with their quote-unquote popular creators. Okay. Me and Ian have not been asked it, by the way. <laughs> so you haven't. So basically, you know, the trend the past, I'd say, three years has been, uh, you know... Hulu, Netflix, even Amazon Prime to start wanting to get into producing their own series. And I guess YouTube wants to follow suit. Uh, but they want to use YouTube creators. So we're talking Fine Brothers. Part, vloggers that are huge. I don't know anything about, but you know, vloggers are usually the biggest people on YouTube. Besides, They announced like four large names. Uh, the Fine S- Brothers, Smosh. Smosh, who are big. I do know who Smosh. Uh, a prank show uh, from Prank vs. Prank, which I haven't heard of. No. And then they do want to do a murder mystery reality series. So far... That doesn't uh, even make sense to me. <laughs> so far, the only mainstream exposure from any YouTube person has been Fred. We had a couple of Fred movies on Nickelodeon. I think John Cena played his dad in one of them, which is actually funny to think about. So Fred was this guy who pretended to be a little kid, um, with the, changed his voice, and then after five years, you know, he was a lot older, so... Um, that was that was the most quote unquote success someone from YouTube has has crossing over into Hollywood or the mainstream. It's interesting that YouTube wants to create their own movies or own sort of cinematic universe, just because there's no reason to do it. It's a different medium, uh, YouTube. It's not. It doesn't exist for uh, TV sort of episodic content. It doesn't exist for movie content. That sort of stuff doesn't hasn't ever done well on YouTube and hasn't ever resided solely on YouTube. So what is YouTube really looking to do here? That's the question that I don't have an answer to right now until I see what one of these are. Is is it to get more mains is it is it their attempt to break through and to make connections in Hollywood to say, hey, we can have these people be in movies, then what does YouTube get out of get out of that? This is, is how I read it. Okay. <laughs> one whether it's going to succeed or not I can understand YouTube wanting to make or, or to try to mimic this Netflix model. Why? Because it's working for Netflix. Um, you rely less on ad. I mean, you 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 you. It's a draw for Netflix. Get people right. for subscribers. But yes. YouTube doesn't have any subscribers, though. No, but I. I but, but they might want to. But the thing that I think that they're trying to, because they mention it in in one of the articles, um, YouTubers are not really bound to YouTube. They can go and do whatever they want. Uh, they can, and, and some of these people, if they get more popular on YouTube and they leave, they may not return to YouTube. They may not generate the revenue for YouTube that they once did. So by by contracting these people in to do a 
show, a TV show, a movie that is branded by YouTube, sure. YouTube is keeping their biggest assets close to them. That makes sense if there was competition to take this talent from them. Well, some of them doing the movies and things like that. I mean, I don't pay enough attention okay. to YouTube. I'm, I'm literally taking some of these articles at face value. Sure, but that's why, that's why it's a vent, though. I, I meant that there's no, main, there's no breakout stars. There really hasn't been any breakout sure. stars at this point. It's not like a big YouTube star has gone off and been in a Marvel movie or even a romantic comedy. It hasn't happened. Okay, sure, that's fine. You know, I, I see so you. the scripted comedy series from the Fine Brothers is going to take a quote-unquote satirical look at singing competition shows and will be produced in partnership with Manville Films. So, okay. The problem there is just that they're going to be doing a scripted comedy series. That's not the videos they are known for. Yes. That's the problem. It's an not saying they can't be successful doing that. That's not their that's not what people know them for, so whether or not they're going to gravitate towards that project because that's not something they're familiar with, let alone the fact that maybe they don't have the chops to do it. It's it's a weird sort of thing to hire. That's like hiring me and you and saying, "Okay, you know, you guys do a, a nature dec- doc. Dec- yeah, you do a decent podcast. Let's see you do a nature documentary. And it's right. just like, what? What they're doing is they're saying, hey, you're popular and you're good at what you do. So we want you to do this other thing because you're good at stuff. Uh, I mean, literally, that's basically what they're saying. But, you know, a lot of these people got popular because they were very good at one thing. That's why they're on YouTube. And put out a lot of content and, and got Google support and whatever else from a network. That's fine. The Prank versus Prank will create a uh, series of ambitious pranks, I guess, like bloopers of practical jokes with some celebrity guests. I'm not sure what that means. I can't picture it being mainstream celebrities, I guess, quote-unquote, YouTube celebrities. Um, so be sure, prepare to see Egoraptor get pranked on or something. I don't know. Good. Um, Graceffa, well, not sure what that is, will create a mirror mystery reality series featuring a cast of other YouTube stars. This sounds awful. I don't this even... This sounds I don't, horrific. I don't even... I mean, I, I've, I read that... A bunch of times, and I don't know what a murder mystery reality series with is. YouTube stars. Just the first part. Put them in, put them in a house, and you're going to build it around them and see the reactions. And then Smosh is going to do uh, create a movie with Awesome TV. We'll set their comedy series in a theme restaurant, bedeviled by out of control kids and crazy parents. Wacky. Woo. Okay. <laughs> the problem with all this is this: it sounds e- like that shit. even if this shit is low budget, yeah. You got to make that budget back. Yes. So let's just say the lowest budget of one of these shows. We covered the debacle of the game jam and how that cost. That was a six figures down the drain yep. last year for players. If you do a scripted comedy series or a prank versus prank, and you're going to have crews and post production, you're going to get people involved. These aren't going to be cheap shows. So you have to at least break even on these via YouTube views. YouTube views. <laughs> Mean aren't raking in the big bucks here, folks. So, for say say one of these costs a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in, in order to make back that hundred thousand dollars, that's a lot. We're talking, you know, a billion views to make back a hundred thousand dollars on YouTube, or at least hundreds of millions. It's not happening. It's just on one video, even a series, it may not happen. You know, it's just not going to happen. So then again, what is this doing? There, is, is this a loss leader? Is this something for maybe for the subscription service that they're going to roll? Like right. I said, I, I brought up the possibility that maybe you're going to have uh, premium content that only subscribers get. You're still not going to break even. No, I think I think it's I, I think it's a loss leader made to experiment at that. And a loss leader for those that know is something that you know is going to lose money, but it gets people in the door. It's like it's like um, the way I best describe it is uh, when when uh, a supermarket puts uh, food on for sale for. That's where the cents. term comes from. Yeah, the bread and milk still cost a ton of money, and that's what they're making their money on. Yeah, that's 
that's where this expression right. comes. I from. can put out a popular game for five dollars, you know, three dollars less. Take a three dollar hit on it to get people in the door who are still going to buy the other stuff that's marked buy up stuff. appropriately, or buy the DLC that's yeah. associated. Exactly, that's what a loss leader is. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I'm. It's just strange to say, oh, you're a YouTube star. It's going to mean you can do a reality show or do a movie or do a comedy show. It's just really strange. My problem is, is a lot of these people live in this bubble where they honestly believe their own celebrity, and well, I yes. think that's a problem because it. You get these ideas in your head, and they're just not going to pan out the way you want them to. Not just that. Just because you're a vlogger doesn't mean you can act. Right. It doesn't mean... Just because you do uh, a Kids React or Elders React series doesn't mean you can script comedy or shoot comedy. No, or I think... Direct, I, I or think direct that, comedy. I think that shows, quite frankly, that you can't do comedy at all. Or, Well, it's, it's a wait-and-see thing. Let's see if you can do it first. We thought we can get away from the... Pulse right back in! With more Amiibo news. This time, something that we predicted, and it's actually good news for consumers. Well, at least, I think it's good. I think it's good news. Nintendo basically came out and said that, we, we're sorry. Yeah, whoops. We're sorry that we didn't produce, produce enough Amiibos for you. And basically said that, we're going to watch this more closely in the future, and we're going to produce more. Maybe not to the, the demand exactly, but we're at least going to try to do better. And they even hinted that we're going to maybe reprint some of the ones that are out of stock and out of print, which I said would be stupid for them not to. It's free money. They're going to be bought. So I, it, this is positive, obviously, that Nintendo's at least publicly admitting their mistake. I just hope that, the, the like, the, I, I would love there for there to be no marking, no difference. No difference at all. And that's already... Not in packaging, nothing. The... Um, the uh, Animal Crossing, the Villager Amiibo that got redone in Japan uh, has different hair than the original one. Like Different mold or different color? Uh, it, it, it was funny. Yeah, it, they, they said he had Amiibo pattern baldness. His hair is his hairline is literally higher than it is on the original one. They probably just saved money. They probably was a paint it, it's, a it's, paint it's, cost or something. No, well, it was, it's plastic molding, so maybe, but like it's literally higher than it was on the first one. So well, they're saving it, money somehow. I mean, it's it's much bigger than his. I mean, That's his forehead's funny. bigger. So I, I just hope that you know the other ones are more true to form of the original casts and molds, and that they don't mark them as something well, different. Because then you still have the problem of scalpers being like, "I have a first edition." Sure, but but I think there's going to be a chunk of people that just wanted to actually use it too. I'm not saying most people, but there's going to be a chunk that want to use it. Sure, I would go. So they don't buy, care. They I don't, would go buy those. They don't care that your villager is bald or balding. Right. You know, you're just going to buy it no matter what, and they paint some hair. In. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, this is what Nintendo actually said. We appreciate we appreciate the enthusiasm that our fans continue to show towards Amiibo. Sales for the product have exceeded our expectations, obviously. Mm. We understand how frustrating it can be at times if consumers are, are, are unable to find certain figures, and we apologize for that. They go on about defend, the demands of fans and consumers, blah, 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 out, blah, 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 blah. Our library continues to grow. Some figures will be easier to find than others. We are constantly looking for opportunities to reissue Amiibo and are already, already making plans to bring back some currently out-of-stock Amiibo figures. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's good. I mean, if you take Nintendo at their word, which I would like to... Um. That, yeah. That that pretty much confirms that we are going to see some of these characters back. And I would imagine that in the U.S., much like in Japan, it's probably going to be Villager, um, We Fit Trainer, probably Marth and Ike. You know, the, the the characters that were initially very tough to find, or the ones that still have like uh, current um, applications outside of Smash Brothers. Like you can use Marth and Ike in Codename Steam, which is a strategy game, okay. but. 
that game came out after those characters were impossible to find. So, well, unfortunately, though, the other issue is shelf space of of retailers. Yes. So if you have up to fifty figures out at one time, you can't fit them all. So then. I'm still praying that Nintendo makes the direct sales for this. I mean, that makes the most sense. And that, if you really want to see your supply and demand, sell it yourself. That's the the and, the, and your yeah. profit margin is the highest too. Get accurate metrics by watching your own web store. I mean, I said that on I think our very first Amiibo topic was make a store. You know, put a web get a, a warehouse web out in freaking Seattle, Washington. Yeah. Sure, Toys Rent R Us, out. Toys R Us and Target can't carry all your shit, but you can. You can carry all your own stuff. Get a staff of 40 to 50 people yeah. and just sell these day and night and ship them out yourself. Right. Problem solved. You're, you're making money hand over fist. Everyone gets what they want. And then you can call back, back directly to Japan. Hey, Japan, we need more of this figure. We need more of this figure. Without waiting months and months to reissue, you can always have a supply stream. Well, and I don't want you to forget to bring it up, so I'm not gonna, I, I, I won't play it as my idea. But, I mean, it's something that you had mentioned before the podcast. Um, and it's very true. Uh, I mean... I think a lot of this could possibly have come from shareholders in the U.S. being like, why aren't you making us the money when you can be? Or any shareholders. If, you, yeah. if you're a shareholder in Japan, you'd oh, be like... Oh, sure. I mean, they're still affected by this. But you're going to be like, okay, we're making money. We can be making more money. I'm seeing the scalpers. I'm seeing some asshole buying 300 of the same one and then selling it for five times the, the, the retail price. And people are still spending that money. Like you said before, that money that assholes are giving to their scalpers, they can be buying three or four right. Amiibo instead. Nintendo's getting that money then. Inse inse this, instead of the this scalper. Is, every scalper that's successful, Nintendo's losing money on. Exactly. And they, they have to realize that. They're a business that makes tons of money uh, overall. They have to realize that, and they're going to rectify the situation. So I'm happy about this, but I want that... Let's put it this way. I'm never going to rush out to the store to buy one of these things. Ever. It's not worth my time. It honestly isn't. But if there's a website that I know I can get it at retail, and maybe... Shipping, you know, I'll buy two or three, maybe. Uh, on the site, there's two or three there. Shipping's reasonable. Shipping's like seven bucks for three or whatever. You know, priority mail. I'll, I'll order it. You know, why not? You know what I mean? But it's never going to be that I'm going to rush up, you know, five in the morning and, and no. compete with some dick face that's driving 300 miles in a pattern to get all the gold Mario meals from all the fucking Walmarts or whatever. Right. I mean, you know. my thing is, the... The interactivity so far with games is not enough to make me kill myself to get them. And I don't need more shelf candy. I have plenty of things on my shelf. However, it is fun for me to level them up in Smash Brothers. The little costumes that you get in Mario Kart are cute. And I'm sure they will probably find interesting, cute ways to use them in the future. Um, and if I can order them online for the same price, yeah, I will probably pick up a couple a month just to have fun with them. But yeah, I'm not going to break my fucking back and put myself through the stress. That's the other thing. I can't handle crowds like that. I, I go, I go freaking well, nuts. It's just not. It's just. It gets to the point where it's not worth it. We're getting older. It's just not worth it. No, I don't even go. I mean, I probably collect records more than I do video games, and I don't even. I don't even go out for limited records anymore. I just say fuck it. I buy the standard release unless I can order it. So I want to get to this, get to the point where Nintendo's already way in the black on these amiibo. They can afford to, to make more that don't sell for a while, and then put it... If, if Say say they put out enough for retailers, either there's no uh, shelf space or people want to buy more, then send it back to Nintendo and sell, sell it directly over the years and don't produce it anymore. I hope or, it gets to that point. Or put them out, and if they don't sell immediately, make another game that makes good use of them, and then they will sell again. To give people a reason to get them. 
it's still early early enough in the Wii U's lifespan that we can see plenty more games that use these. And they can always just add more free Nintendo NES games that you can maybe not demos level, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Or, or the full game. They, that's the cool thing about this technology. They can just add in whatever they want to be compatible. Right. All they need know. to see is that you have that amiibo. If they decide yes. they want to give you a full download or something, give you a full can. full game. Yeah. That's what's so cool about this technology. So good on you, Nintendo. That's good news. Fuck you, scalpers, once again. So, we have a movie review. It's been a while since we've actually seen something at the same time we talk about. But we figured, at least once every three years, this is a huge movie uh, you know, franchise. And we have to at least do it for comic book movies, because people love our opinions on comic books. I love people that say, oh, you guys should stick to talking about games. We will talk about whatever we want to. Mm-hmm. So, Avengers Age of Ultron came out. Which, originally, I was really looking forward to, just because the Daredevil <clears throat> series came out, and that looked cool. Um, you had announcements for Civil War, which is going to be off the hizzy, yo when it comes out next year. And you know, and you have announcements for that stuff. And then Batman vs. Superman teaser comes out and that sort of gets your attention. Not saying it's good or bad. But then in between that is a huge, huge, huge movie called Avengers Age of Ultron that's announced. Right. All this stuff you know, took the out. wind out of our sails, yeah. I think, immediately temporarily for it. But um as I got closer and closer to seeing it, I, I actually got um more excited to, to, to go check it out. Because I had my doubts, but I also was fairly Fairly confident that the movie was going to turn out pretty good. Sure. And, uh, for the most part, I think it did. Um, we go a lot of places with this. I'll start with this. Um, I definitely think it was better than the first Avengers movie. Absolutely. I can say that, hands down, it was better than the first Avengers movie. I could rewatch this movie. Yeah. It's hard for me when even Avengers is on TV for free, like on whatever, Stars Network or whatever, FX... I watch and I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna flip it off. It's it doesn't hold me. It just doesn't. No, I mean, and I am gonna try to stay somewhat spoiler free here since the movie's only been out for a weekend. I'm not gonna go spoiler free, but you can try. <laughs> why would you do that to people who listen to the podcast? The because movie hasn't you know I've been out for four because, days because our spoiler warning is now, so they can fast forward ten minutes or fifteen minutes from now. <laughs> Whatever. Um... I thought the addition of the mutants. Oh my god! I didn't say mutants. Uh, <laughs> they didn't have really have a name. Oh, they had a name for them, but I forgot what it was. What the, was the it? children? They just called them the children. I believe they called them enhancement. Oh, enhanced, enhanced, enhanced humans. Uh, I thought Quicksilver was great. I thought Scarlet Witch was fantastic. No, they were both good. I well, honestly well think that they were two of the. I, I think those two were. Integral to some of the more interesting scenes in the movie. Well, of course, the, the sort of the whole plots were built around their uh, their uh, character arcs, yes. so to speak. In terms of uh, starting out villainous and discovering the the villainy, and then helping out as good guys. You know, like the whole arc throughout the film, their characters. Spoilers. You know, uh, I thought that the character drama that was way lacking in the first film was here. You can you can agree upon the execution, not but at least on paper. Uh, the, the biggest one, obviously, you have Romanoff and Banner, their interactions. Um, it came off well enough, um, I, and I like what they were going for. I absolutely do. Because in the first film, they even sort of, not necessarily hinted at, but they, they showed how terrified uh, Black Widow was of Hulk in the first movie, who wouldn't be. And so it sort of carried that over into now, you're getting behind the man behind the monster. Uh, and, and sort of, because in her in her own way, Romanoff is a monster herself. Um 
you know, she was made into a monster from an innocent, you know, child, which that the movie touches upon that as well. There's a lot of nice themes here right. going on. I, I can I mean, we'll talk more about that later, but um, I think the, if, if, if not exactly the execution, the idea of the arc between Banner and Black Widow uh, was good. Um, it showed, it added character to both of them instead of Banner just being the guy who hides or goes green, yes. instead of um, Widow just being the assassin mm-hmm. uh, with no past. Um, you know, you finally saw uh, a, a pretty good relate, a, a, a somewhat of a believable relationship. I thought it was a believable yes. relationship. Sure. I, I saw the reasons why th- that Romanoff would, would want to get to know Banner. I did see that. Yeah. I did see that. I'm not saying it was executed 100% well, but it was there. Plus, they're both great actors, so. You yes. know, Ruffalo's going to knock it out of the park, at least what I, he's given. I, and, and honestly, um, I mean, Widow, at least in uh, I, I did, her portrayal in the first Avengers did not charm me at all. But uh, I really liked her in Winter Soldier. Oh, she was excellent. And Winter I mean, Soldier, she really proved, I mean, she really showed that, I mean, as an actor, as that character, she can shine when she's when she's allowed to. When there's material written for her, other, yes. than, other than just being a hottie in a leather outfit, would give her something to do. Do, right. Yeah. So, um, I also think that uh, my pal Clint Barton was given a, 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 a at least a breath of air. Um, he definitely had more personality, more mm-hmm. quips, um, definitely more backstory added to him. As a matter of yes, fact, that well, was a great scene and um, whatever. Well, this it's going to be spoiled. There, there, there's a whole 15-20 minute sequence where they have to hide at Barton's old, old, basically not his old house, his house out in the yeah. Midwest with his wife and kids. You discover he's married and has a wife and kids, which is like, oh, okay. Yeah, and you Romanoff know. knows it, and, and, and Fury knows it, but the other yeah. the other Avengers which don't. plays back to the first film where Romanoff says she's compromised because she's Barton's friend. Right. It, it wasn't exactly romantics, but there's obviously a connection there, and that's why Romanoff is friends with uh, Clint, and the family makes sense. And the wife was played by Linda Cardellini. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, nice to see Linda Cardellini yeah. or something. <laughs> Interesting. From Freaks and Geeks and, you know, other things. So, um, yeah, I mean, so... It, it humanized the heroes more. And actually, it was interesting to see the other heroes taken aback that they had a family because none of the other guys have a family. No, they don't So have- it was like, Captain America's like, Captain America does, doesn't have a girl. He, you know, he has got, hasn't gotten laid. Probably ever, you know what I mean? He's so straight laced, and you know they, what all, I mean? they, all, they all seized up at this 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 picture yeah. of a normal life yeah, existing whoa. behind his secret agent work, basically. And so they tried to make him the grounded character, which I think they did fairly well. They did fairly well. I, I don't. I, they even had him admit uh, during the the end sequence that this is all ridiculous. I'm I have a bow and arrow and I'm shooting at robots for bow and yeah. arrow. <laughs> it's like thanks. I'm thinking the Actually, same exact that, thing. That whole segment with 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 Scarlet Witch, where he's like. Make a the city is floating. Yeah, I have a bow and arrow. There's robots out there. Yes. <laughs> you know, like. that, that was that was very very good. Um, a lot of it was just like I said. It was the interactions were more grounded. Each character had something to do more. Captain America had a hell of a lot more to do in this movie, oh. even though he didn't have a huge arc himself. It wasn't just him disappearing for the middle of the movie and just literally sitting at a desk in the fucking hell helicarrier for. I half think this time they gave him slightly less just because he's coming off of Winter. I mean, Winter big, Soldier yes. was a big, a big movie for that character. Um, it another thing that I liked was, and don't get me wrong, I love Robert Downey Jr. It was not the Iron Man. Avengers One may as well have been an Iron Man movie to an extent. You're right. Um, this time they spread the love around a little bit more, but Robert Downey Jr.'s character was still fantastic. And it's not that I ever found him grating, 
But I actually found him more charming in a smaller dosage in this movie. Well, I, I think because he was a large proponent uh, of the plot with, with Ultron, and then later Vision, um, it, it gave him more of a... He, there was more of a um, dichotomy, go, dichotomy going on and actually sowing the seeds for Civil War in a yes. way where he wants to protect humanity, and that's where the motivation is for the Ultron program. So it wasn't just, oh, I'm a happy-go-lucky... You know, It's like, okay, we're finally seeing something else here where... He's a conflicted individual. He's very, very... I mean, you can say he was conflicted in some of the Iron Man No, this is real conflict where he's going against the wishes of his teammates, you know, in doing this Ultron program. Let's talk about the villain himself, Ultron. Um, overall positive. Um, of course, it's not the Ultron in the comics. No. Know, but, it was, but it makes sense in how it was created. Yes. And it was better... Um, I mean, I remember when we saw the trailer, I was like, what the fuck, that voice? They definitely did... They uh, did put some modulation on it. They did put some modulation on it. It sounded a lot better. Um, my... Uh, Vani, my wife, um, actually loved the portrayal of Ultron. The reason she liked it was uh, for a couple reasons. One... He was not strictly cold and mechanical. She liked the no. fact that he had far more personality. A little bit too much, but I think. But I think she felt that after years of of Ultron arcs where he doesn't have that, it was just refreshing for her to see. You have to understand, she's far deeper into comic sure. books than we are. Uh, two, she um, she liked that the Ultron was in this. I I can't I can't get. I, I mean I don't know this, but I I trust her on this. The Ultron. The movie was called Age of Ultron, but it's not based on the recent Age of Ultron arc. It couldn't have been. I, that, mean, I, so I didn't know there was a, That was about two years arc. ago. Okay. Two, three years ago. I mean, there had to have been a script. That is needed a cool this. name for the movie. Yeah, so they used that. But she said that the Ultron in the, the movie was actually bits and pieces of a lot of, like, greatest hits Ultron arcs. So she, she enjoyed that quite a bit. I... I... Enjoyed the portrayal of it. It's it was based upon the fact that he had he basically had Stark's personality. That's why he was swarmy and had the quips. Like I said, a little bit too much, a little bit too much of uh, I'm doing horrific things and still cracking jokes while I'm doing it. You need some menace, not just from the actions. I can't stand the fact that all these movies have robots moving their mouths when it's not needed. That's just a, a nitpick for me. That if it's a robot, the mouth does not need to move at all. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Going back to Transformers. That's a well, minor nitpick. Okay. That's just minor. No, but- it's, it's fine, but I, I understand that nitpick. I think in this movie, though, it's okay, because Ultron was striving to become more human. Sure. I don't think the moving of the mouth was that big of a deal. Then maybe him. they should have started where he couldn't then and then gave it to him later then. You know what I mean? Well, like, with a bit more, yeah, with a bit more, with a bit more time between uh, his ramshackle first appearance and yeah. his, I like the fact how he kept getting bigger and bigger. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's what, three or four yeah. forms in the yeah. movie? Um, we're going to talk vision a little bit. I, I liked the portrayal, portrayal. I did not like the fact that they kept him with pupils and irises. Versus just they could have just CGI'd it out that easily. Maybe it's maybe it was the actor saying I want people to see my eyeballs. Maybe people would be afraid of him. Every Vision always is just the white eyes. I, I love the Vision character. I think it's very interesting. No, a lot of people do. I uh, think he was fantastic in this. I think it was good. I, I just don't like the fact that it was like a little bit too much like Venom in Spider-Man Three, where okay he shows up for the last third, and it's a little bit too much rush. It was a little bit too much. You know the introductory scene, Vision gets introduced, it was like, alright, this is a scene that should take ten minutes, we're going to do it in two. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you know, it, it was just one of those things. This is know? actually kind of a... If, there, I, one of the negatives I have about the movie, and this is going to come up later, but um, is that supposedly there's about an hour cut from it. Now, uh, an hour, I would say this, I think that's probably a little over the top, I would say easily 25 minutes. Sure. 
there were scenes that went on for too long, and there were scenes that were definitely too short, and there were jumps that occurred. And while you could, while any normal moviegoer could follow them, they were still sort of jarring. I, I can't even think of exactly. Any, oh, I can. Uh, okay, sure. The the whole Thor subplot yes. when it disappears yes. is like there. It's literally two scenes that are both like a minute long, or and it's just like what the hell? Is, what, what? Why do you even need this? You just cut it completely or let it breathe. It's like what? It was what simply are you doing? to show that he saw a vision of what the gems were going to become, but like you didn't do it well. Um, the other thing was there was that whole so with the the. With the miracles, with the enhanced <laughs> humans, <laughs> enhanced humans. Um, when they're talking about laying under the bed, and they're talking about seeing the bomb, and it says we're about Stark. The, we're talking about yes. Star Witch and it, 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 yeah. yeah. And they talk about seeing the bomb, and it says Stark on it, and they want the revenge. Um, obviously, a moviegoer can piece together that okay, they realize that maybe it was bought from an arms dealer, but it's never said explicitly. There was also never any confrontation really between them and Stark, and that 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 it just that never tied up satisfactorily for me. There wasn't even like a, a one minute thing after the fight saying we understand or whatever. No, right, that's it, a good it, point. It was just dropped. It was. That's actually not a not a bad point. Obviously, they 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 had to realize at some point that. Well, it was pointed out to them that you know that wasn't what they were fighting against anymore. No, it was something else, right? But, but you're saying no uh, th- that their direct venom against Stark was never cleared up. If if, yes. if, if you're going to spend that much time on direct venom towards someone, constantly having to hunt him, talking about be, the yes. origin, you're you absolutely correct. You can't just. I mean, yes, we can figure it out, but you can't just expect us to do that. That's unsa- It's not to satisfying me, to me. It's like an Iron Man two, how the whole subplot about. Maybe uh, Stark's father did steal the technology from the the Russian guy. Yeah, and then they really never went anywhere with that. You know, what I mean, it wasn't Stark never came to terms with it, right or wrong. That his father, that the whole vast fortune that they had and everything might have been built on some form of thievery. It wasn't even, you know, what I mean, it wasn't even tied up in a bow saying it was false or not. It just was left out there. It was just so that's that's a good point that you should tie this up, cut out a minute of the fight. Tie up this shit because you don't you because know. you don't need more than a minute or or two minutes to yes. do that. And you already I think the movie was like two hours twenty five minutes, which is for a blockbuster running long. You know, obviously back in the day that would they never hit two hours, but now that people expect bang for their buck for a thirteen fourteen dollar ticket, they want to see it. They want their three big battles. I mean, this movie there was only really eh, there were the Hulk Buster uh, Hulk fight was huge. That's a whole other conversation that was done very well. Um, I thought you know why that was done well. Segway because. Iron Man trying to get the fight out of the city. city. He even said that yep. explicitly. Before throwing him in a building, no civilians, civilians. in that building. Right. <laughs> you think that was a direct response to me? I feel like I mean <laughs> I feel like it was because there was even a um there's another moment where it was like floor's not clear and they, 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 they moved to a different building or they, they cleared out the civilians or whatever it was. But basically there were two scenes, not just Saves one, but, the people in the but elevator two too. scenes in the movie mm-hmm. where 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 they go out they of their way to, to show them. that, hey, we're superheroes, we're not trying to kill anyone. They, yeah, they try to evacuate the entire city. Spoilers, like it's lifted up in the air. They want to yeah. evacuate it, not yeah. just destroy it. Directly, not just, it's not a response. It's That's the responsible thing to do if you were a hero. It was just a wreck shit. Yeah, you it, have to, you're saving people at the end of the day. Yeah, but the Hulkbuster scene very well done. I hope you. I know you like the Hulkbuster. I love the Hulkbuster. I mean, I, I love. I love the. I love the fact that he used the cuff. Uh, the cuff uh, arm on him and you know oh, dragged him okay. around. I mean, it was good. Um, I do have. I thought the scene was good. The action in the first half of the movie, though, did seem different to me than the action in the second half, in so much that the first half of the movie, we got a lot of 
quick cuts, close cuts, shaky cam shit, and then towards well, the smaller fights. But yeah. then towards the end of the movie, it was wider. We got yeah. that good um, Winter Soldier, good Godzilla type. Pull the cameras back and let people see what's going on. Type. Well, of there, shit. There, there, there were larger area fights too, though. Yeah. Versus uh, being in smaller buildings. I, like I said, I do think the Hulkbuster scene was done well. I love the Hulkbuster armor. I love the Hulk. Uh, it was just. It was a. It was a bit frantic for me in parts, but I liked, I liked the uh, the, the the pinpoints that happened I, during. I it. will say this: I'm going to spoil, spoiler, 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 spoiler. I think it was kind of ballless to not to kill off who they killed off. I think I think it lacked balls to kill off uh, Quicksilver and not kill off Hawkeye. Especially after the buildup of this is this is what's at stake. I have a family. I have kids. Now you could say it's a red herring. That, oh, it would be the obvious thing to kill him off. No, I, I don't think it would have been the obvious thing. You, if you had Hawkeye die trying to save that kid, holy shit! This we can. This Marvel universe now means business. Everyone's lives are at risk. Versus a, a, a guy that just started fighting on the good good guy's side like twenty five minutes ago. That it, it, I'm still glad they killed someone off, but they went with the safest person to kill off at the end of the day. Uh, I mean, I, thought. I just don't think you kill off any of the main cast that quick. Maybe in Infinity War, Infinity War Part Two, if they want to shake things up. Hawkeye's integral, whether or not we like how he's portrayed in the movie. That doesn't mean that I was upset that I wasn't upset with Quicksilver's death, simply because you just introduced the character. Yes. You it finally mean, it means and, less. And, and as the movie progressed, he got cooler and cooler, yep. and his arc I thought was great. Yes, I, as was Scarlet Witch. Both of their arcs were absolutely now, good. Now, as I'm as, a Quicksilver it, fan, I like Quicksilver. So do I. But as Vani put it, the Quicksilver death did make the Scarlet Witch character in her opinion and in mine, a little bit better because Scarlet Witch in the comic, her down, her downfall is her stress, is her is her sadness, is her anger, is mm-hmm. her anxiety. So in that last moment when you needed something to happen, when you needed a you reason needed a for big that, moment. when you needed a reason mm-hmm. for that core to drop, when you needed her to start fucking shit up, um, that's, what, that's what it was. Yeah, but just imagine if they gave them even another half movie to develop their bond, and then you do it, it would have been even sure. I'm not, I'm not, great. I'm not arguing with that. You know what I'm I mean? Just... Like, say, say they kill them off in Civil War or something. Yeah. Then that's when Scarlet. You know what I mean? Like, I understand they needed that. They needed that moment, that emotional moment. But there was emotion there. Sure. I, I, there definitely was emotion there with me. But ima- again, imagine if they, these two were together yeah. further. Give it another. Yeah, right. Give, give it another, another movie, another, and then movie. it would have been people would have been sobbing in the theater. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there would have been like waterworks happening. I mean, you know. it, whereas, I mean, when you killed him in this, it's like, oh, that's a fucking bummer. Yeah, but, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. sad for that character, but like I said, we just got to know the character. Right. So it's still a good, it's still a sacrifice. Then again, the sacrifice made no sense because the the freaking Vulcan cannon would have ripped through his body and killed Hawkeye. Anyway, that's all the decision. I won't, I won't talk about that, though. But it was still a worthy It's a sacrifice. superhero movie, man. There's going to be some issues with it. Yeah, or why why Thor was backing away from the bullets when... He could have destroyed the the, the ship. Coming. Anyway, whatever. It, it was it was interesting. It was a good movie. I liked it better than the first one. Absolutely. Everyone has had something to do, but apparently not everyone was satisfied with the portrayal of Black Widow for some reason. Well, I I, I, I don't I don't think it's for some reason. I think I I can understand. Well, there's why. a reason. Um. So, as the resident liberal who's going to get shit on, <laughs> um, I don't think this is a liberal issue no, at all. Well, I, I'm just saying. 
Uh, I mean, people are obvious. I, I think certain listeners are going to be looking to pounce on me for what I say here. Um, I think it's been largely blown out of proportion. I will say that. Well, what what happened? Josh Whedon so, left Twitter over backlash. He didn't though. It's he's come out and said I have I have the link. He came out and said he hasn't. He said he's he. I mean, as a liberal, as a person who says that he is a feminist. He has dealt. He he has said that he has dealt with radical feminists since the day he got on Twitter. He has dealt with infighting among liberals. He says sure. he sees it in conservatives. He says it's it's common. He said that doesn't bother him. He said that if he's going to go be creative, he needed to leave Twitter and focus on something because it was a distraction. So him. Joss Whedon, but he did get attacked by I guess you can call them are they third wave feminists, the just radical. I mean, neo feminists. I would just say that? more radical. Okay. Certainly more radical. Than so, what I. were they upset about, though? They were upset that Black Widow was was captured. No, I don't think that's the it. romance subplot. Nope. I think it is, and it's. I think a big part of it is this: Black Widow in the first Avengers movie was not portrayed very well. They also in the first movie hinted largely at her Red Ledger. Her clearing up her mur- her murder file and her past. Sure, just okay. her murky past. Yeah. Right. They didn't really touch on that at all in Winter Soldier, which is arguably the next movie she did. I mean, really, that, that, that that's you don't want to count Civil War. Civil War. That hasn't happened yet. I mean, Winter I mean, I mean, Winter Soldier. You don't want to. Count. I, I'm counting. I said Winter Soldier. Okay, that was arguably the next movie they did, and she was great in it, and she was a strong character. Still, not a lot of backstory. So here's what we have. We come into this one, mm-hmm. right? And she gets her flashback. And, okay. this, is, and this is where I which, understand... Which is probably the most consequential yes. flashback out of all the characters. Yes. And this is where I kind of understand the problem, but I think it's being... Blo- I, I do, but I think it's being blown out of proportion, and it depends on how you view the movie. The biggest problem is, you get this flashback, it shows her. She's at, she's, she's at school. She's, she's at the training she, school. She's training to be an school. assassin, mm-hmm. right? They show her shooting at targets. And then, show, and then they show a guy with a fucking thing over his head. Shooting at people. It's like shooting porn, at people. It's like identity, basically. Yes. Yeah. They show her shooting at people. And they don't really explain anything. What do we get out of this? Is we get the scene with Hulk and her, and she says she's a monster, and she can't have kids. And give me a minute to finish my train of thought here. People are upset that Black Widow is being portrayed as someone who is basing her worth on whether or not she can have children. The way, and, I, and if that were the case, I can understand that. Because of all the promise of backstory, the one clear thing, the only clear thing we get out of this movie is that she was sterilized at, at the end of her training, and that is the defining trait of of her in this movie. That's not your argument. That's these feminist argument. No, I mean, I. this is what I... Well, this is what you this got is, out of this it? Is, this is what I got out of it. This is partially their argument, and I'm going to tell you where I differ from them. Okay. I'm not exactly pleased with how that went down. I'm not. But... That came up because that was a direct response to Banner saying... As they're arguing, Jesus Christ, I'm a monster. Hell, I can't even have kids. Mm-hmm. And she counters back with, I can't, either. I can't either. And she goes into it, and she explains it. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. No. My issue is, 
is that it was the only thing they brought up. Now, if they had done that, but they had also brought more of her backstory in, if they had said anything else about her backstory, I wouldn't have cared. This is the one thing that they chose to bring out about her I backstory th- in this movie. Well, that... W- okay. No, I, I just... I, I, you can go on. I, I don't have much more to say here. It's not, well, no, they brought out the whole thing where she had her whole humanity when she was very young ripped apart from her. Yes, it, but they... And but, forced to be a killer... Literally, literally, they were killing the other girls that c- couldn't go through with no, the axe. No. We're talking the nightmare scenario of the ten-year-olds and a- ten-year-old African kids that are giving guns and are told to kill people. I think, I think you know, a like lot the, of it. I mean, they, we're talking heavy shit here. No, I know. And so that was sort of to me. That to me was the cherry on top of the stripping of her humanity. I think that's the problem, though. I think but they... that wasn't to me the focal point. That was all this shit, all this shit, and then finally this. Well, and you know, and obviously, obviously, that's so visceral. Just because I hate. I mean, if if you t- most women when, when most women at least that I've heard of are known, it's extremely traumatic if they find out they can't have kids. Sure. It's extremely traumatic. But let me clear my name here. Yeah. All right, clear your name. Clear your ledger. <laughs> Um, so I do understand that disappointment. However, um, I believe it is more a product of a couple of things. Um, editing. You think? Okay. Okay. Editing because of second thing. This is a fucking ensemble movie. Ensemble movies make it incredibly difficult to really beef up the backstory of any one character Unless, say, they're new, like the the twins. Okay. Okay. So I think that what possibly went wrong here is that it was not done on purpose. It was that this scene was seen as pivotal, and because of time constraints, they did they were not able to get to other things they wanted to do. So was it the fact that it it hurt her so much that she can't have kids that was the bad part, or you thought that was the focus of it? I I mean, let's let's put it the focus and the fact that she seemed to be putting a lot of her worth on it. I don't know that I've only read probably a handful of comics that has her in it. We're going back to her showing up in random probably Captain America books from the nineties, early nineties when she was quote unquote still I think bad at the time, fighting against like Diamondback, I think if I remember correctly. Um I'll just say this that I would expect any any hero that I don't I don't suppose this way. I, I wouldn't expect that to be out of out of character for any female hero that you know what I mean like it wouldn't be like you would react emotionally especially when you're having a conversation with someone about it right. about about that it, Which is why it, it's not like you're going to say offhand well well you can't have kids I can't either you know it's like it would be like yeah, okay yeah, but that's how it came up and that's kind of why I don't that's why I said I don't think it's that big of a deal I, 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 I absolutely don't think it's that big I, I, I don't want you to take it that way I don't want the listeners to take it that way I really don't think this is a huge deal. Like I said, but obviously I, a lot of people do. I understand. I understand why. I just think it's short-sighted because, look, yes, the Marvel universe has never portrayed her, at least in comics, particularly well. That's a, that's an endemic problem of comics. It's being fixed. I don't think it was a purposeful move on anyone's part, especially not Joss Whedon, who I mean, fuck, wrote the best Kitty Pride there ever was in, 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 in Astonishing X Men. I mean, he can do strong characters when he wants to. I think it's just. I think I, it's just part of the story. I thought that was the most human moment she's had in any of the movies. It was the most real emotion she's shown in any of the movies, the character. It, guess, was, it was the most the character's been given to play with. Not just, oh, well, you know, my ledger is now clear. You know, it's just like, no, all right. This is, this is how I would have liked to have seen that scene go down. 
Banner doesn't even have to mention he doesn't. He can't have kids. Well, Banner, it comes out. Banner can talk about how he's a monster and how he can't be with her because he doesn't know what he wants to do with her. Sure. She goes, I'm a monster. The flashback, boom, kicks in, shows her doing some dirt, and she talks about all the fucking people she's killed. And then we get some fucking backstory on her past as an assassin. Yes. You didn't need to focus necessarily on that point. But from a narrative standpoint, it would have worked either way. No, it wouldn't have, just because we know she's killed tons of people before. She said that herself in the movies. So, you needed something else. Now, where do you go uh, from there? If, if, it, if it can't be, well, I was sterilized, which, let's put it this way, because this has happened before. Governments have done this. I mean, hell, it's happened in some states in the U.S. where they sterilize people that they feel shouldn't have kids anymore, sure. for whatever reason. It's fucking horrific to yeah, sterilize someone. It is. So, I think breaking down someone that's killed people that has shown absolutely almost no chinks in her armor... Save from uh, getting scared by the Hulk rampaging in the first movie. Well, who wouldn't get scared with the Hulk rampaging after you? Yeah. Doing a move like that, while you may not agree with it, it got it gets the job done. I still think she's a strong character. To me, it just showed. All right, she went through some deep shit as a, as a, as a kid. And, and no, and, and, and that at the end of the day, that's why I don't think it was that. I don't think it's a huge deal because she shows she's a strong character. She kicks fucking ass at the end. Yeah. She was, she was shown as a strong character in Winter Soldier. I, I still think it's um, unbelievable how she's kicking all his ass with just two metal uh, electric rods. She's still doing it. You she know? gets captured. <laughs> I don't think the damsel in the stress thing is really a damsel in the stress. No, it wasn't. She went down there. She got some shit done. She got caught. She got rescued. She went out yeah. and fucking ripped the fucking yeah. cradle out of a out of an airborne truck. I mean, yeah, you couldn't have given uh, her... That, that last scene with her on the motorcycle, you could not have given her a more empowering scene. Yeah, the, 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 you're getting... you're getting uh, If you get captured by a villain that any one individual members of the Avengers would have trouble with, and, and you don't have any superpowers yourself, that's not a damsel in distress. You, you, got, you got bested by someone that's way more powerful. Well, that's... You no, signed that's, up for a... A, a hardcore spy mission, which is her specialty, yeah. to go down and get some information, and got caught and got locked up for all of ten fucking minutes. Yeah, so that to me, so I, I think it's interesting just because they're atta- they attack the guy that has stood up for uh, strong female characters and everything he's done. Like I said, I mean, you know, was just go bu- was Buffy, uh, like you said, the stuff he's written in comics. Yeah, his astonishing uh, X Men arc is is I mean, it's all about Kitty Pride being stronger than any of the other. He's the guy did Firefly as well, right? Yes. Strong female characters in that. Yeah. I've seen some of the episodes of that. So I mean, he's the. Let's put it this way: he's the wrong target for you to go after. If you if, if you quote unquote want to go after someone, go after definitely... Marvel. Go after go after go after the stereotypes of comics set for fifty years. But Whedon didn't do this. Or, or how about don't threaten someone on Twitter? How about that? That's a, that's a start too. Well, yeah, don't threaten people. That's for sure. But Whedon did not do this to piss someone off. I literally think it was just how the movie played out. Just how it played out, and you know, if you're gonna attack someone, you, you know, if you're gonna bully people on Twitter, just check yourself before you wreck yourself. There's no reason to do that. Uh, speaking of wrecking yourself, we had a couple of photos come out from the Suicide Squad movie, which I'm still kind of in disbelief that they're making. Um, so the big one was uh, there was a Joker picture that was uh, put on Twitter, uh, almost out of nowhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> So I mean, everyone knows it by now. It's 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 the Jared Leto picture um, with the fucking grills and the the, the not game- grills or caps. I mean, yes, caps in his yes. teeth and the Game Boy play it loud scream and the green <laughs> hair and all the tattoos. Um, and the backlash to it was fucking 
huge. I mean, there were people on my Twitter uh, feed, you know, trying to defend it, and like... Oh, people went after me when I made fun of it. I said it looked yeah. like a carny. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, okay, I mean, different aesthetics for different folks, but I thought, and the majority of people thought it was fucking awful. So, here's the funny thing, and I don't know what story to believe here. Um, well, it first of it all, was we- the Joker's anniversary recently. Okay. okay? And... The Jared Leto picture had all these fucking awful tattoos. Ha ha ha! On the shoulder, a a jester hat over a skull here. A damage, damage on the forehead. forehead, and and the the traditional like Joker smile, smile on, the on his arm. arm. So after all this backlash, they came out and they're like, "Guys, it was just a promo picture that we dropped uh, in like celebration of you know the anniversary of Joker's creation." Those tattoos aren't going to be in the final film. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, it is the Joker's anniversary, but this seems like a really fucking convenient excuse. And that seems like the worst PR ever to say that. Yeah. With your first reveal of a huge, iconic character that people are... Literally, this guy, Jared Leto, every week has been tweeting or uh, uh, Instagramming like, oh, now my hair is dyed, now it's blonde. And people are like, oh, what's next? And then this gets revealed, it's like, oh, here it is. What?! He's yeah. got a J teardrop tattoo? Uh-huh. That's hardcore, yo. Right. So, I I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, what to say about that, really. But they did say that those tattoos are not going to be in the final film. Um, that doesn't it? really matter, because Snyder's DC Universe can blow me. <laughs> well, did you you saw the picture of the Suicide Squad come out. Uh, I did. I but I mean, I glanced. at I don't it. know half the characters. I just glanced at. I, it. I know two. Obviously, Harley Quinn's the big one. I think the actress going to do a great job. I think. Mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that she has pudding tattooed on her leg because it's like okay, it, it, by itself it's fine. But the fact that we saw this Joker right. tattoo thing, okay. Does every character need a tattoo of like something they say on them? Yeah, you and know that, that leads me to believe that what they said about the Joker's tattoos was not exactly truthful. Yes, because now you're seeing that same sort of shit on some so, of the other characters. So you think this is a big backtrack, being that they're starting to film it now? That okay, we have time to not show his tattoos or cover it up or. The did they tweet out the, the fact that it wasn't, or where did they say this? I don't even remember where I saw it. I read it somewhere. I I don't remember where. I mean, Jesus, this was weeks ago. This is definitely. Well, it's less than a couple weeks. This is an older topic, but I mean, I don't remember. I just don't see them going three sixty on something like that because people are going over one eighty three sixty. Yeah, going to one eighty on something like that because. They're trying to do this universe that's quote unquote edgier and grittier. We we talked about the Batman or Superman teaser, which we're not supposed to talk about, but we will because we talk about whatever we want. But this seems to be the step in the same direction where this is the hardcore, you know, gritty universe. Well, it would it would, it would be in that's the thing. It would be one hundred percent in line with the Snyder universe. The Snyder no universe. subtlety at all. No. And if people say, "Whoa, is he that subtle as a clown?" Uh, yeah, a hell of a lot more subtle than having uh, I'm a Damage. murderer yeah. on his on his on his head. Right. That's a hell of a lot more subtle. I laugh a lot. <laughs> you like, see, I mean, the whole point of the Joker is that he he's literally a clown on the outside, and then he kills you. Now, it's a cliche now, but it wasn't when he came out. Right. That's why the character is so beloved, and he's why he's one of the most famous villains because he's the exact opposite of what he appears as. Right. You know, and some people tweet like, "Oh, Two Face is really subtle." That's in his name, Two Face. Joker is a Joker. It's supposed to be a funny character, right? That that is a little more subtle on the surface. I don't, whatever. I I don't care about subtle. I mean, subtlety. Well, yes. I care. I about mean, it. there's. I do. What I'm saying is, is you can't 
you can't argue away Snyder's fucking ham-fistedness with fucking everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be one thing if it was just for this movie. Hey, for the Suicide Squad, we're going to be completely over the fucking top and just yeah. run with it. This is connected. Fine. But it's not. It's connected. It's 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 perfectly falling in line with everything else he's done. And it's just not anything I have any interest Having in. Having Kung Fu, Warifu fights and fucking Watchmen, which which went against the entire grain of the movie, supposedly portraying quote-unquote realistic superheroes like the graphic novel. No subtlety at all. Not He just doesn't... He's almost there. But then he misses it at the very end, and, and it goes away. Like he's he like he gets it up to like eighty percent, and then doesn't understand after that. Well, he missed it entirely in uh, Man of Steel. But like he knows enough to to be dangerous. That's let, the expression I like. Let's you know. move on. We're treading familiar ground. Let's not get ourselves worked well, out. It's only every two mo- three months you can go off on Snyder. Is that what it is? Well, no, we went off on him recently. I just I just I don't need. To I'll get, put in. I don't need to get worked up over him. Q and A time on the CU podcast. This is from uh, at JPC Animation. If you can go back to one moment in gaming history, where would you go? I would go back, and I think for a lot of people this might be surprising. I wouldn't go back to a truly retro, excuse me, period because I'm ex- I've experienced all that. I mean, I I I, I know it. Um, I would go back to the late '90s when importing was huge. Because at the time, there was still a ton of games coming out in Japan for systems like the PlayStation. Saturn. Saturn. uh, Dreamcast. That never made it over here. And while I definitely did import, and probably imported 20 plus titles in my time, um, it was at the end of it. And there's definitely titles I look back on now, and I'm like, man, I wish I hadn't missed those. So if I could go back to that period of time with the money that I have now, which is not a lot, but more than I had then, I would go back and I would import a lot of the titles that were expensive, that I wished I could have gotten, and more to the point, I never would have gotten rid of my imports the way I did. I wish I still had my import titles. You also could have pulled a BIP-10 and would have, could have cornered the magical chase market and bought like 50 of those. And not, <laughs> not interested in being that guy. But um, no, like I would have loved to have gone back and gotten some of the weird square you know, RPGs when they came out, like the driving RPG and the weird tunnel shooter they driving did. Driving RPG? Never heard of it. I, I used to know the name of it because I wanted it to come out here oh. so bad. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, there was a lot. Of, and I, I would have liked, if we're going to talk fantasy, we're talking time travel anyways. I would have liked to have gone back there with with knowledge of Japanese, so I could have played some of these RPGs. So that's so, it. So you're not only time traveling now; you're like putting like like a Star Trek chip in your ear to a be second able to language. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna be cliche. I'm gonna go back to like '81, like the height of the arcades, just mm-hmm. about '81. Um, just because I mean, I experienced the arcades in you know mid to late '80s. Barely remember it. Uh, at least the mid '80s. When my father leave me alone while bikers were around in space in uh, what spaceport and Woodbridge, Woodbridge Center Mall. Um, but if you if you go back to like eighty one, it's still brand new for the most part. Sure, you you have young kids getting into arcades finally, and I cannot imagine the energy of being in those rooms and having basically a new media and discovering it with the sights and sounds, having high school kids and young kids, girls, boys, whatever, playing these games and thinking that this is the start of something that we're not going to appreciate. First of all, well, arcades within 15 years will be gone. Yeah. Um, but just this is the start of something brand new, and the, people thought it was a fad. 
right, video games still. They still sure. thought this is going to be dead in a few years. And no, it wasn't. And I just would love to just have the energy of being around that. Fair enough. I think... You know, of, of seeing the reaction when like a new machine was unveiled, like Miss Pac-Man, like people were probably like, "Holy shit!" I mean, we, we were we were there and people were lining up to play Mortal Kombat Street Fighter, but Miss Pac-Man eclipsed all that. You know, like they, mm-hmm. it's just, I wish I was there for stuff like that. I, you know, you make a good point, and that would have been a lot of fun. But I would like to have jumped a little. 81, 82, 83, 84. Seen the progression. Eighty-one. You got to remember, the arcades are going to be fairly barren still. I mean, they're going. I mean, they're there. There's going to be machines. But 84, you're going to have a glut of oh, excellent sure. titles. I mean, just all the good shit is starting to really hit. All right, so I'll say 82, 83 then. You know, it's, it's really when, starting to When hit. you have the zenith of almost all coming together, all the, the major hits coming together. Yeah. You know, at, at I, the height of it. I would have loved, and I think I talked about this on the video game years or maybe previously on, on the podcast somewhere, but um, going back to an arcade in Japan when Tower of Draga came out. And people were like chaining notebooks to the art, the oh, machine, wow. so that I mean, because Draga, I mean, the entire game is a cryptic clusterfuck. I love it, but it is, and each level has clues. And like, they would keep notebooks near the machines, and players would write down notes, and every time they figured out something, and that so would, the person can that would have been really fucking cool to have experienced. You know, to be like, okay, now we're up to level ten with all treasure chests. I'm going to be the guy who figures out level 11. You know, that would have been fun. This is from at Dat Ass is my boss. I think it's two weeks in a row getting getting it in there. Has there ever been an educational game you legitimately enjoy playing? I'd say any good education game is fun. The, um, only, the only bad ones I remember, at least from computer class, was when like, the letter has to fall and you have to press the letter before it hits the ground or something. It's like, there's no... <sighs> Those are typing no, trainers more than You know what I mean? Think, but, but yeah. I, I would say... Obviously, I mean, I didn't play them a lot as kids, but I can imagine other people having fun with Carmen San Diego. Oregon Trail is educational to some extent. Uh, hell, Lemonade Game was fun. That taught, taught you some logic and, and some planning. Um, there's lots of games that are educational that people don't realize they're educational. Yeah. Games like the Civilization series are very educational, learning about human history and culture. Yep. And and learning logic and how to plan, how to react. I think any future world leader should be required to play a game of civilization successfully <laughs> to know how to fucking manage shit. That's all their conversation. So those games are educational. For me, um, I, I, I agree. A lot of educational games are great. Um, I can go back and still play things like Number Munchers and Word Munchers and have fun. Uh, Oregon Trail is a lot of fun. Educational to a more narrow degree, but still educational and definitely a, a, a good playing game. Um my all-time favorite educational game, though, has to be where in blank is Carmen Sandiego. Because you learn shit, but those games are straight-up detective games. And they are fun as shit to play. I mean, I've, I've actually... It's funny. The reason I kind of wanted this, to answer this question is because I've been so obsessed with... I've been so obsessed lately with going back and playing old Carmen Sandiego's that I've actually started trying to find them for my Apple IIe on eBay for a reasonable price. Because oh, I'm surprised you can't play them on a, on a website. Is there like an Apple II website you can play them all to? Probably, but I, I have an Apple IIe. Oh. And I mean, well, back in Buffalo. And I... I, I, lo- I, I All I buy for my Apple IIe that I have back in Buffalo is educational software that I find amusing. Okay, it's kind of just a hobby. So yeah, I, I think I think like you said, uh, the, the ones we remember were all good. Otherwise, we wouldn't remember them. Right. Educational titles. Yeah, I mean the ones that that kind of sucked would be like, uh, I know some people might argue, but like Math Blasters, where you're just answering like cold hard math questions for like ten in a row, and then it's like fire the scissors at the balloon. 
okay, you get points. You know, I mean, Math Blaster was better, but there there were educational games like that where it's just like, do this rote repetition math, and here's a stupid mini game, and now do more math. Jazz Jackrabbit, you ever play those? I never played them, but Jazz Jackrabbit is not the... educational. Oh. Jazz Jackrabbit was a song of the Hedgehog ripoff. Oh, was it? Yes, with a gun. Um, did you ever play uh, any of the Learning Company games? No. Like Treasure Mountain? No. Oh, those were those fantastic. Were, were those on all, all of them or just common? PC. Or mostly PC. I, I can't remember. I mean, I used to love the B. Dalton bookstore. I always tell this story once in a while. The B. Dalton bookstore had a separate computer section. Like yeah. towards the middle of the back. At least no, in the no I remember that. Oh, you can sit down on the computer. I remember seeing... God... That's why. Well, that's why I have a hundred key punch softwares in my in my garage because I used to love those. It's a whole other story. All right. At one thousand CC, has a game ever helped you cope with a rough time in your life? If you care to share, which game was it and how did it help? I have a I have a prime example. You can go first. <clears throat> so yes, um, and I actually kind of wrote about this a little bit on uh, the Patreon blog. Uh. I find great peace in games that require me to uh, grind a lot. Um, First-person dungeon crawlers, uh, roguelikes, things like that. I mean, we're talking the hardcore RPGs. These games are really hard, and for most people, that shit would be stressful. But for me, the pure repetition of leveling and grinding and watching stats go up um, as I weave stories about characters that have no story behind them because they were roll-your-own characters. These games have helped me keep my mind off of things uh, immensely um, during my grandmother's passing last year, who was very close to me, and uh, my grandmother's sister, my great-aunt, who is currently in the process of passing away. Um, and I literally find them to be incredibly calming experiences. The music in these games, for whatever reason, is usually very mellow and calming um the scenes even though i mean they're hard and you're, you're you're slaying all these monsters a lot of these dungeons take place in forests and meadows and things like that it's just it's at odds with how hard the games are but everything else is very peaceful to me mm-hmm. there's rarely any huge story about a massive you know demon overlord coming in and killing a bunch of people it's there's an evil and you have to stop it and you do that by climbing 40 floors in this dungeon can you do it and i just get myself lost in it for hours at a time so my story is um very specific and i'm not sure how much in depth i'm going to go because it was fairly emotional i'll go into it i don't give a shit um i actually referenced it in my panic restaurant video from back in 2000 mm, 2010 was that so in that video, I referenced having how video games helped me cope with stuff. So there's one story I told about Street Fighter 2, I think it was. So we're talking, I'm 11 or 12. I think I was, I think it was 12. 92, 93, now you know how old I am. Um, I, th- I, think I, I think it was like 7th grade, 6th grade. So we're talking 7th grade. I mean, I really, I mean, I was introverted. Um, I had my big thick glasses, out of shape. I had friends. I had friends, but it wasn't like I was popular. I just was friends. I stayed out. I kept my nose clean. I stayed out of trouble. Sure. I mean, I got picked on a little bit, but not as much as other kids, you know? I, I stood up for myself, for the most part. So, so an incident happened where, um, kids in a classroom, uh, made, like, it was like, it was a thing where, like, we made, I think people were making, like, video productions for, like, a project, and everyone was watching them. 
So a group of kids, they were like the cool kids. They used to bully some other kids, but they didn't usually target me too much for the most part because I was kind of friends with a couple of the group. I'd like to say two out of six or whatever. You know, one of those sort of deals. Yes. Where you're not, you're not friends with all of them, but enough to keep off your back. You're friends with one of them who does his best to keep him at bay. Maybe not, not, but they don't fuck me directly. So they did a video where one of them was mocking another kid that they used to pick on named Thomas. And I didn't, the kids in the classroom didn't realize it was going on, and even the teachers didn't realize it. And it was like, it was one of those things where it was like two classrooms combined. I remember this story now. Okay. And so I, 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 uh, I must have said across, oh, they're making fun of Thomas. And then the teacher heard me. And so the teacher, I think, then consulted with the other teacher and got them all in trouble. And so I, quote unquote, ratted them out without realizing it. It wasn't my intention. I was just telling someone across the room. So one of the kids, Joseph, wanted to beat me up uh, because of that. That day or the next day, they had this meetup thing. They had this meetup thing where I guess at the park it was it was it was going to be it was going to be a softball game between everyone in the grade sixth or seventh, whatever it was. And I was invited. I was going to go. It was at the same playground where I was talking about my friend Kevin, where he lived. So we're mm-hmm. talking like ten, eleven blocks away. And so um, he threatened me. And he was going to probably try to beat me up, humiliate me in front of the entire school. And I knew this. And so I wasn't, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't going to try to fight him. Because even if I won, I wasn't, what was to be the point, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I was ashamed that I didn't want to face him. You know, then I got a phone call from uh, Christine. Christine was a girl that lived five blocks away that I was friendly with in my entire life. And I got a call from Christine trying to goad me to come out, knowing that this guy was going to try to be able to, and I got a call from her. Never got calls from girls when I was in grade school. That was unheard of. And the one time I got a call was from this girl trying to sell me out and get me to come down to get beaten up in front of the entire grade. It was the only time that this girl, Christine, called me, and I had known this girl since I was like five years old. And, I, uh, and I'd been on the bus with her every day of my life, going to school. Uh. And, the, and the, I'll never forget the tone of voice with her saying, oh, why don't you come out, Pat? Why don't you come out? Knowing that she wanted to see me get beat up by, maybe this was her fucking boyfriend in sixth or seventh grade. So, what can I do? No one on my side. You know, pop in Street Fighter 2, play it that afternoon, and just drift away, knowing that, call me a coward, whatever else, but I wasn't going to walk into a fucking trap that I knew it was a trap, Right. And, I w- and nothing would have happened. You know what I mean? And I, nothing, no, no good would have happened either way. They would have ganged up on me and beat me up. Would have made fun of me the whole time. No good would have happened for literally the entire grade of my school. Like 56 kids. So it's one of those stories that where um, it's obviously it sticks with you. The good news is that he never tried to attack me afterwards. Like either he realized it was stupid or maybe he got over it, this kid. Um, and after that, we were okay. Like and it didn't really come out. We never, we never had it out because of that. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I ended up, I ended up, I ended up beating up a kid in front of the entire school the next year, which the other kid started. So after that, no one would touch me anyway. I went to a rage. Hold this story. The whole point is that was me uh, coping with that rough time and getting picked on was video games. But that Street Fighter Two story will stick with me my entire life. Christine, if you are listening, fuck yourself for trying to go to me into a fight um, for someone that you were friends with for like six, seven years. That's just despicable. Uh, to do that. Uh, that, that. That hurt me more than the, the, than the fucking idiot bully trying to beat me up, actually. Alright. At, At She in the Leaves. 
What's your guys' opinion on Ico and Shadow of the Colossus, and do you think The Last Guardian will ever be released? Uh, quick answer to the latter. Excuse me. Um, no, I don't think The Last Guardian's ever going to be released. I hope... They, they keep saying it will be, though. I hope the fuck it gets released. I just, at this point, even if it does, with all the delays, I don't know that I have any faith in it being a good game. Um, that said, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus were both fantastic. Uh, Ico more for its visual style at the time, I think. Um, it was a unique... A fairly unique, um, you know, puzzle game. You know, escape from the castle. You know, with uh, the um, with the, the the spirit, the lady, the uh, in, in tow. It's been a minute since I played it. I'm sorry. Um, Shadow of the Colossus, on the other hand, I think is uh, definitely one of the best examples of um, imagination and just, I mean, insane design coming out of nowhere. No one expected that game when it came out. Even the previews couldn't really prepare you for what that game was like. Um, I mean, a game that has, what, 16 enemies in total? Total. But they're these huge, monstrous behemoths that have platforms and armor that you grab onto and you swing. And the sense of scale was perfect. And, you know, you climb that first Colossus and you're on his back, and you're at the point where you have to stab him in the head, and you realize exactly how high up you are. I mean, the game doesn't fuck around. It's There is no loss of sense of scale here. I mean, it's nearly vertigo-inducing. Um, and that game just proceeded to get better and better and better from that point, from figuring out that you have to literally run up the blade of a Colossus's sword as it hits the ground to make it up his arm to get on him. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, Shadow of the Colossus is something that can't be topped because anything that tries to top it is simply going to be seen as a copycat or inferior. You can only do that game once. So, in terms of Last Guardian news, I guess the last news was a couple months ago that they are Sony wants to register the trademark for it. <laughs> well, that's they, good. Well, they want they want to renew it. They have to renew trademarks yes. every whatever it is three years or four years, whatever it is. Um, so they they have filed a patent for it. Would they have to do that if they weren't still going to come out with it? How long has this been in development? Two thousand nine was it? It Eight? was it was announced when the P, when the P. No, I think it's been longer. I believe it was announced when the PS two was still semi relevant and the PS three was just coming out because it was supposed to be one of the PlayStation 3's killer apps. Okay, I thought. So, was, I mean, I, this I, 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 was, been, I was thinking two thousand eight, two thousand nine. You, I mean, you could be right, but I, I, like I said, I seem to remember the PS two. So it was never going to be a PS two. It was supposed to be a PS three. I do, I do. That no, no, I know that. What I'm yeah. saying is though, like they were, they were working te- on. I mean, it way back. I, Ico and 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 Shadow of the Colossus were out, and they were teasing this as being the third part in the series. Essentially, they're unrelated, but they're related. You know, in that, I, in terms of artistic vision. Um, so this was supposed to be the third entry it, in that. That, that trilogy, and it was supposed to come out on the PS3, and now we're through the PS3, and we, I mean, we still haven't seen The it. irony of, of the, if this is going to come out, it's not going to be a huge, huge seller. It'll sell, but it's going to be still like a cult sort of thing. It's not going to sell like Gods of War, you know what I mean? No, I think maybe, well, I, I'll disagree with you there. I think I think with all the build-up behind it, the fact that Ico and Shadow of the Colossus have entered the public conscious because of the, the remasters. Public that, consciousness? Are we going a little bit no, far? No, people buy that shit as soon as it comes into the store. Okay. Um, well, for, I'm, I'm, on I'm the not, PS3. I'm, not, I'm talking like this is not going to be like 
Metal Gear Solid, not even close. If it comes out for PS4, I guarantee you it would sell like hotcakes to PS4 owners okay. hungry for exclusives. Oh, oh yeah, okay. If it's only for exclusive, okay, that's a better point. That yeah, if there's nothing else to be exclusive, this is a big one then for that. I mean, they have them, but I think this would be a bigger deal. But versus the amount of uh, time they're putting in development of this, if it's really been six, seven years, I hope it's. I mean, I hope it's only like two or three guys working in, in those six, seven years to, to you know for their. <laughs> I'm not saying they're going to recoup their money. I'm just saying that I think it would sell better than you're saying. That's all. All I, all I think is funny that they haven't said it's dead. It's always been okay. It's back. Well, no, I believe they did officially kill it at one point and but then no. bring it back. But I could be wrong on that. I mean, it's this, still this, it's still around now. Yeah, that's this, what's important. <laughs> they they have a new they have a new trademark they filed for it. So for the last Guardian, unless there's another last Guardian game they're making. So I really want to jump on this one. Uh, this is from MSU Hitman. Thoughts on GameStop only taking certain retro games and not the rarest ones with its trade-in program. Holy fucking shit. This been, okay, this is, I believe, still rumor. It's still rumor, and it's based upon... There's been screenshots and, and captures of and pictures... Rumored of rumored... Of, of the list price. of the buyback and, and price charts for what they're uh, charging per system. I believe I, I actually saw an ar- article saying this, but, it, but I couldn't find one in time for the podcast when we were sitting here to link, so I'm going to call it rumor at the moment. However... It wouldn't surprise me. And let's just pretend it's not rumor for a second. I find this fucking hilarious. Because just weeks ago, GameStop was saying, we're going to train these employees for on-the-spot inspections of games so that we don't take in, you know, fucking fake carts and this and that. And, no, you know what their fucking on-the-spot training is? Just don't fucking take them. Which is dumb. Because, okay, now we have them as online only. And two, now they're not even going to sell rare or hard-to-find titles, which makes them useless. And is in. there's been a lot of people want to say that the speculation is, especially after the, the leaked sheets, is that it could help normalize the prices on the market. Yeah, it's not going to do fuck all if they don't take the rare games. If they, if they don't take the games that are $80, $100, $120, dollars I mean... I could understand wanting to shy away from something like a Flintstones at Dinosaur what? Peak because of what it is, yeah. but not taking Earthbound? That, I mean, that's one of the ones that they are rumored what? to not be taking, was like, Cro- expressly. Was Chrono Trigger on there, even? No. And actually, my Lincoln asked me that, and I said no, because Chrono Trigger right now is between 80 and 100, and my guess is, if this is well, true, they don't want to take anything well, over 100 bucks. I think it's funny that people think price is normalized when there's a set price point, which is absolutely insane to think that that's what normalizing means. Yes. No, things normalize when there's a natural bidding process. And so when you start stuff at 99 cents and see where it ends up, that's how a market or, or that's how prices quote unquote normalize. When people aren't forced to pay arbitrary prices on second hand uh, uh, aftermarket items. I think people are assuming that if, if GameStop has these and they sell them for a certain price, then all mom and pop shops will follow suit. But if it's a high price to begin with, as we've seen on them, these are eBay prices just about. So then, how is that normalization? That's normalization to the eBay price. No, that, that's that, that's know? that's simply continuing on with the status quo. Exactly. That's not normalization. That's Even, no, I, I had people. I'm sorry. I had, I had people ask me, uh, "What do you think of these prices? You know, are you scared?" And I'm like, scared. "No, because this is it's online only too. This I mean, is the same or more than what we charge for it. This yeah. is less. They're charging less than I thought they would charge, but that." doesn't make me quake in my boots they're online yeah. only it doesn't it only makes sense as a loss leader if they expect people to use that credit for new games and then they'll make the money back eventually 
and break even on selling the games, but then they got to ship them out. It's it's not getting past pilot. This this will not be nationwide. No, I don't see this happening nationwide because they're also going to discover that. Hey, if I if I work at GameStop and you bring me a box of games and there's a little Samson in there, I'm taking that little Samson and I'm going to give you something out of my pocket for it. You know, that's what most employees would do if they have any knowledge of it. <laughs> From what I understand, that's a fairly common practice actually at GameStop. Sure. Is we don't take this, but hey, I'll give you this money for it because there's no manager on duty and who the fuck cares? Some some managers wouldn't even give a shit. You know, like who cares? Yeah, you know, it doesn't hurt your business. You know, whatever. So. I think it's interesting. We'll see how it plays out past the pilot. If it ever, like I said, the pilot could last six months. I, I think this only hurts them. I mean, I think this this further damages their ability I think to they, actually be competitive. I still don't think they don't, they they know what they're in for yet. No, I don't think they realize what they what you know. Like you said, Chris Kohler asked them, "What are you going to do about games that are complete?" And the, and the guy's like, "Oh well, I think we'll just give you random people the complete version of a game." Then it's like that's not how you do that's business. Not. Well, well, I mean. Let me put it this way. The pilot is so unorganized that there are people in GameStop who don't know the pilot is going on. You mean the local stores here? Not necessarily, no. Okay. Can't really go any further than that. Okay. But there are people who don't even... There are people, higher-ups in GameStop, who don't even know this is happening. That's how badly thought out it is. <sighs> All right. At uh, MSU Hitman. Is that two in a row? Do we allow that in the CU podcast? Two questions in a row. What trends has at Pixel Sickle been seeing with his customers? Desperate for current gen games or, or going to older? Um, This is what I've sort of noticed. I mean, okay, so the trend right now is Nintendo 64. That's all I get calls for. I mean, well, it's not the only thing I get calls for, but I get multiple, multiple calls a day for it. Um, and it's for all the popular titles. Uh, that's not exactly interesting or exciting news, but that is what is currently hugely popular in um, the, the sort in of retro universe. market. Um, the other thing is, uh, with, with, with newer systems, I'm seeing a lot of people frustrated at the lack of titles. Um, people who bought their systems and are wondering where all the games are. And, I mean, I keep telling them, I have a PS4, but I knew when I bought it that, I mean, buying early, especially with these recent generations, is not the best move. You don't get, you don't start seeing a flood of games until like the third year of these systems. Um, I see people who are <coughs> greatly um, displeased with their Xbox Ones. I see people who are buying PS4s faster than Xbox Ones, but are still coming back to me fairly unhappy with their PS4s. Um, I am starting to get a lot more calls for Wii U's. Uh And people who want Wii U's. And I don't think that the Wii U is ever going to hit what it needs to hit. But I think people who really just want a system where they can go and get like four or five games they really want to play, whether alone or with their friends, they're kind of going okay, I want the Wii U. Because for me, the PS4 is fine. I'm getting a lot of good indie titles on it and stuff that I like to play. But that's not what most people are buying PS4s for. You don't need a PS4 for indie titles. That's the whole point. No, I don't. But, I mean, it's fine for me because it's easy and convenient. I got got fucking shit for the computer thing, but, like, I just don't care. I want to play on a console. That's what I want to do. So that's fine for me. But people who are looking for, like, these AAA titles, we're still getting games that are cross-platform between generations. 
So they're upset about how slow it is for people to move into for, for games to move into this current generation, and it's because no one wants, no one I think sees the point in buying these new systems. So they're saying with their PS3s and their 360s, and as long as people continue to buy PS3s and 360s, we're going to get cross-platform games, which means you're never going to get the full potential out of your new system. Yeah, we're talking about Xbox 360. It's going to be what ten years old later this year. Yeah, or and it's still going to be games coming out for it. And I am seeing. And this kind of makes me happy. Um, I'm seeing a pretty solid... I'm seeing an increased interest in portable. um, Beyond um, the normal popularity of the 3DS. People are even asking for Vitas again. Even though the Vitas basically... (laughs) I mean, I have one. I like it. But, I mean, it's fucking dead in the water. And I can admit that. But I'm not just talking about Vitas or... um, or uh, 3DSs. I'm talking regular DSs. Game Boy Colors, I can't keep them in stock. Uh, Game Boy Advances, can't keep them in stock. Um, if something like a Neo Geo Pocket Color even approaches the door, it's fucking gone. Um, portable seems to be really big now. Simplicity, my friend. Right, and I think Simplicity. that's what it is. People want something that they can put in the pocket or sit up, plop down on the couch, turn it on, and play. This is from, this is a two-part question, at Jeer Kane. Where do you think the stereotype of gamers hating sports and or sports games, not all of them, of course, stem from? And then why are fans of sports, sports games, looked down upon at times? I think this is fairly recent. I'm going to say, I don't know, between the last 10 years? Um, When I was growing up, it was almost synonymous or almost required... At least every kid I knew had at least one or two sports Even if it was an arcade one, like NBA Jam... But but like every kid, I mean every kid played Tecmo Bowl on the NES or yeah. ice hockey or Blades of Steel. When I'd go over to my buddy's house after the Super Nintendo came out, you know we would uh, we would alternate rounds between NHL like '94 and Mortal Kombat. Sure, um, I think I think what happens is with the internet and social media, these differences get magnified. And I'm not going to get into tribalism, but this is tribalistic thoughts: is that. You know, if you're into sports, you must hate games. Or if you're a gamer, you can't like sports. And of course, that's not true. But people that have these common interests or thoughts band together and then find people with similar interests more easily with the Internet. And so I think that cuts off their mind to new ideas or or being susceptible to other experiences. So maybe if you would never pick up a sports game and want to play it, you find others instead of taking a chance and playing a sports game, you'll find others with the same beliefs, and then it's an echo chamber, or vice versa. Um, I, I, it's just a strange question to me, because I can't imagine video games without having sports games. Sports, no. sport, without sports games, I don't think you have a lot... Video games w- would be a hell of a lot less interesting. I mean, you have a hell of a lot less people playing games, you know? Like, wh- it I'm doesn't not, make any sense. I'm not much of a sportster, but uh, a I sportster. mean, I'll buy a FIFA every couple of years. I will definitely buy a baseball game every few years. Shit, uh, back when they released college hoops games, I love college basketball. I'd buy a college basketball game. I'm not. I'm not a huge sports fan. The thing is, I think part of at least as someone who works retail, I think one of the reasons that sports games are so frowned upon now is simply the glut of them and the rate that they come out. But there's always been a glut of ga- uh, sports games, and they always came out once a year. Going back to the early nineties, you know, uh, yeah, like, it's true. I mean, if you look in like an SNES catalog, I mean, you're going to find so many what I call um, vanity sports titles, like Sterling Sharp's End to End and Troy Aikman Football. Yeah, uh, there was multiple multiple football franchises on the Super Nintendo. It wasn't just it wasn't just Madden. I think it starts though with the PS2 and the Xbox, and the fact that everything got more popular then. 
video games in general got more popular. I think more hardcore gamers took uh, took issue with these people buying systems because there are people who buy systems almost entirely for sports games, which sure. is fine, or, or for Call of Duty, or yeah, whatever. Which is fine. I mean, whatever, whatever floats your boat. But why get um, upset at them? No, I, I think it's just you. I think it's just the, the like I said, the amount of them. You walk in and to a store, say like ours, and we have all our PS2 games out front. And you see all the sports titles in stacks. And then you look at the Super Nintendo, and it doesn't seem so bad, because I've got them in the back. And I still don't have as many sports titles, because video games weren't as popular back then. But I think some people look at them as just trash that builds up over time. It, oh, you're thinking of older ones versus... I, I, I look at this question as just modern times about someone that just plays FIFA. Let's say, like I said... Let's, just say, let's say there's people that just buy, buy their Madden and then buys their baseball game every year and that's what they play. Sure. Like I said, yeah. that, that's that's totally fine. And I, like I said, I agree. I buy sports games on occasion too. And like I said, it was synonymous with gaming when I was younger. I'm just saying I think the glut of all these old sports games as things get more popular is part of why people get so weird about them. I just I just think it's the whole jocks versus nerds thing that's now come around again. Well, that could be it. But you got to remember, also, that could be enhanced by the fact that in the past, there wasn't a lot of jocks playing video games. So when we bought the sports games, it was what we were into. Now, like I said, you have a lot of people who will buy a system just for sports games, as opposed to people who would buy the sports games and Street Fighter and Mario and have, like, a more diverse collection. I'm not saying it's right or... I'm not saying it's it's, no, it's right, it's not, it, but well, I, I'm just saying I think that's why. You, know, you do whatever you want. It's, it's, you're an adult. I mean, I mean, it's funny that you see adult... Uh, you, you see these athletes... Well, I mean, athletes are, are playing Mortal Kombat. Yeah, they play Mortal Kombat with Conan O'Brien, or they play sports games. They'll play, you know, as themselves. This is funny to see stuff like that. So, you know, video games, video games are for everyone. There's room for everyone. This is at Emperor Caesar Twelve. Have you guys traded away or sold any games you don't play anymore but want to play again later? Any regrets? Yeah, I sold my Nintendo games and and console when I was uh, probably ninety four, ninety five to Funko and probably you have them all again. Um, <laughs> uh, I you know, I brought it up earlier in the podcast. Uh, I I regret selling all my imports. I regret greatly selling off my Genesis collection to move out here. Um, and if there are any, I, I'm I'm pairing. I'm really cutting down my NES collection, not regretting a lot of it. But I do regret selling all of my Dragon Warriors. Oh. I have an extra Dragon Warrior one. Well, I have a Dragon Warrior one that still has my mom's save data on it, and I have an extra oh, Dragon Warrior one. But I don't, I, I don't have two, three, or four anymore. Um, yeah, I regretted selling my Nintendo games, but you know, it was it was one of those things where it was just like, oh well, I'm not playing it, and played it like in five, six years, and now I'm PC gaming, and I wasn't even playing my Super Nintendo. I probably sold my Super Nintendo stuff around the same time too, and got <laughs> PC gaming and. Good old Sega Saturn for Fire Pro Wrestling Six Man Scramble from Electronics Boutique. I still don't know how Electronics Boutiques just get import games in the mall. That's that always was they strange to they me. just did for uh, I mean that was just the thing they did cool for thing a did. short period of time. Yeah. Um, this is from at Tone Cone, which is a funny name. In twenty years, will the retro quote unquote market still have ultra rare games? It's hard to imagine a little Samson from this generation. It's not. Um, you already have people scoping out what's the rare game on the on the Wii. Hell. 
DS and 3DS that they're are they're identifying the rare games. The problem is is that those games aren't interesting for the most part. They're never going to have uh, any sort of following, like a magical chase or even a, even a stadium event. So they're never going to have the story behind them. They're just going to be games that were shovelware or really weird titles that were released with like a weird sponsor on them or something that got limited. Early. You know, you're like yeah. You're acting like this is new, though. I mean, yeah. a majority of the the rarest games for the Nintendo are fucking shit. I mean, yeah, okay, oh, yeah. you've got you've got the good you've got the good late title releases and stuff like that. I mean, I think if you if you continue to use the Wii as an example, you're going to have things like Pandora's Tower, um, Xenoblade Chronicles, and Last. Whoa, what fuck? What was it called? Um, there's going to be some good ones, but yes, you're right. A lot tons of, it, of bad ones. A lot of it's a lot of it's, it's going to be. It's, it's going to be those ones that I used to see at the flea market in New Jersey in 2008 when you couldn't give them away. Like they were mm-hmm. just brand new shovelware, you know that. People won't care about unless you're a really weird collector 20 years from now. But guess what? I can't picture there being completionist Wii com- uh, collectors in the future. There'll be a few. There but, will be. It's, but it's not like you're going to be hunting. It's not like Ports on Retro Gaming Expo 2030 is going to have a bunch of Wii games out for sale with people diving through them to complete their collection. I do, still do not see that happening. I I, I've changed my mind on that. Simply working where I do, I have people who will buy any shit for the PlayStation because it's considered rare or uncommon in their new and burgeoning collecting scene. Um, PlayStation and Wii are two are two vastly different systems historically, and only by date. It's still shovelware and crap that they're buying and calling rare. No, no, but but the Wii was was I guess the quote unquote casual system that, in terms of uh, exclusive games that matter, are it's like the N sixty four library. You know what I mean? So I mean, it's going to be one of those things where, um, and and the Wii has a ton of games on it too. It's not like the N sixty four library is two hundred fifty. There's like a, over a thousand games in the Wii. I think it's like seventeen hundred, fifteen hundred. Someone in the comments is going to tell me how many Wii games came out. It's a lot of games. No, that I, are garbage. You know, like in terms of percentage wise, it's we're, we're talking garbage games. I just we're talking. Like, we're talking how many fucking bowling games you need. You know, like that's what it's going to be. I feel like time will change everything. And plus, they don't display it nice. They're all just white. It doesn't cases. matter. It's going to be who grew up with it. It's going to be how attached to it were they nostalgically. And Do you see kids being attached to the Wii the way we were to the NES Super Nintendo? Honestly? I, th- kids are fucking weird, man. In, think, tw- in 20 think... years, everything... I, it, 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 Time removed from time, it's going to. Ch- I'm you not saying it's good. I'm just saying that yes, I do think that there probably will be Wii collectors. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be people trying to go back and capture those apps they were playing when they were three years old on their phone. That's what we're going to see 20 years from now. Well, that's, I hate to say it. It's scary to think about, but that's what it's going to be. That's terrifying. All right, this is from um, at Console Key. What do you think is justified for a game to have a re-release or a remake? I think I'm going to go with the Frank on movie remakes. Where the first version of the movie, or in this case game, was a misfire. Or it was so far in the past, and you can update it uh, with a technology that you couldn't do it originally sufficiently enough. And to me, those are the only two. The, at least to me, that that would get me interested. You know what I mean? I'm going to divorce it from the movie thing. Um, I'm going to say my answer is largely never. Largely never, okay. I don't... I, I Not... not not a solid never. Um, there are some games that you know could have had bad frame rates that were considered classics and would benefit from an update, a graphical overhaul. But in in my experience, and I covered it in Ducktales. <laughs> I, but honestly, I just don't think it's necessary. 
I don't think it's needed. I don't think it, I would, it, it, rarely it improves anything. I would argue though that DuckTales Remastered was a reimagining and not a remake since they changed so much. Mm-hmm. It was Maybe. a rebarfing. <laughs> I thought it was an average game you reviewed. No, I, I mean, think it, more, it wasn't bad. No, I, think, I, I think it's a strange question though, just because we look at the history of video games. There's usually just been sequels of games that have come out every whatever three years. Right. Even even the elite games, the the latest elite games is not a remake. It's more just like the yeah. next elite game, even We're, though it is kind of a. Re- you know, I mean, like so they're never they're never almost phrased as a remake unless it's like Halo Remastered, right? You know, you know what I mean. And then it's sort of like okay, they're just it's the same game and now it's a fresh coat of paint. It's not necessary, but people want it. You know what I mean? Like it's not to me. It's not to me. That's still not justified unless you want to play multiplayer. And you know what I mean, but. Uh, I whatever. just yeah, I, and by the way, I mean Ducktales is probably one of the better remakes Uh-oh. remakes I've seen. Um, Tales. but um, yeah, things like I mean, for example, like I just I don't need to see uh, the God of Wars from PS2 slightly upgraded on PS3. Yeah, I don't ridiculous. need to see God of War three from the PS3 slightly upgraded for the PS4. That's where I mean that's where it starts to look like the movie industry to me, where we yeah. just have no ideas anymore, and we're just going to turn this crap. Oh, that's out. exactly what it is. They know they're going to cut a profit with a minimal yeah. input of money and time. Ducktales wasn't for me, but you know what? It looked like the cartoon, and for people who didn't have a lot of experience with the original, it was probably a great game. So you know that's that's okay. But honestly, I'd just rather not see remakes at all. Give me at, something new. At Pete Skerritt. For the first consoles you ever owned, Patanine, what were the first games you got for them? All right. Well, mine are known because I did a Christmas video a few years back that when I got my Nintendo, uh, it came. It was a version of Super Mario Brothers. It was that set. And then my uncle, for some reason, got me Ikari Warriors and Spy Hunter. And then shortly thereafter, th- the next year, I believe, my father bought me Top Gun because he loved the Top Gun movie, so it was really for him. <laughs> and then, still perplexing to this day, Double dribble. As a kid, I never once shot a basketball. <laughs> I didn't watch any basketball on TV. So I actually, my father visited recently, and I actually asked him that. Hey, Dad, I was a baseball. I played baseball as a kid. You never bought me a baseball game on Nintendo. Um, I liked hockey. You never bought me a hockey game. Why double dribble? And he's like, you know what? I have no idea why I bought it for you. <laughs> he had no response, which actually was almost like the only answer. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you going to say? I'm a bad parent who doesn't know what my kid likes? You right. know, like, so those were really the first run of games I got, I'd say, within the first year or like, maybe, was like those games. Maybe someone told him it was popular. Maybe but, it was on sale. But at least Spy Hunter was the game I played. It was like the original arcade game I liked, and either he remembered that and told my uncle. You know what I mean? So at least for Spy Hunter, that was one I loved as a kid. So like that, that one. For, was good for me, at least for my NES. It was which was uh, which was the I believe the first system I I, I owned. Um, it was Mario, Duck Hunt, uh, Clue Clue Land, and Red Racer maybe. And then the following year, somewhere in there, Mickey Mouse Capade and RC Pro Am. That's a nice mix. Those are the games that I remember owning initially for my Nintendo, and I loved every one of them. Um, well, keep in mind, though, back in the late 80s, when Nintendo games, that rentals were, were getting big, and so didn't matter what games you first had. By I'd say by 88, rental places were huge, in my area at least, so I was renting games almost every weekend. My parents you know. would rent me probably a game, probably two times a month they'd rent me a game. Sure, you know, but like uh, But I would only get a game, like a game, I would only own a game 
like birthday and Christmas. Same with me. So yeah, yeah so I the, the, I only owned right up there my original games. I had some of them at least. The, I think I owned the maximum was like 13, 14 Nintendo games. Was all I ever owned as a kid. But but rentals were uh, rentals and great. Back borrowing then. from my friends. Yeah. And playing playing over your friend's house. See, we talked about that on I believe the last podcast. Like borrowing and you know lending today is nothing. But man, I can't tell you. I mean, my street was packed with kids. I can't tell you how many times we'd be outside, and then you know the day's coming to a close, and we're about to go in and eat dinner and play some games and mm-hmm. do our homework and go to bed. And it's like, well, what do you have? I have Rampage. Well, I've got Contra. Oh, you want to swap for a couple days? Yeah. I mean, it was just. As kids, we made do, and we didn't need. We didn't feel this need, I think, like a lot of gamers do now, to constantly go out and buy all this new shit all the time. To o- if I could only put my mindset back, then that would be great. And lastly, from at Sir Stack, there's a new Maya the Bee movie coming out. Thoughts? I like Maya the Bee. Maya the Bee is fucking timeless. Who's that friendly little <laughs> bee playing oh so happily? Buzzing here and buzzing there, busy buzzing everywhere. Maya loves and Maya cares. I don't remember the rest of the song, but it's Maya, Maya the Bee. I hate it when you sing. I know uh, Maya <laughs> the Bee was interesting because uh, along with uh, David the Gnome and like Bell and Sebastian were the uh, foreign cartoons uh, from Europe, and then we redubbed them over. You know, yeah, Maya the Bee was uh, was really big on. Um, I think it was before Nick Jr., but it was like when Nickelodeon oh, yeah. like would still do oh, like yeah, yeah do the kids stuff. Maya yeah. the Bee, David. No, these were and my brother and I watched it all the time. I mean, I loved Maya the Bee. Maya it was, was fun. It was funny because I didn't realize how big it was until I got older. And I think one day I just huge in Germany, right? Germany, Germany. I, I just I, I I was like, it was one night I was up late and I was like, oh, Maya the Bee. And, and, I, and, yeah, and I searched well, it, and it was like, holy fuck, this has a massive like, following in Germany. It even has, I think it even had games for the DS. Really? Game Boy Color, for sure. Or, or Game Boy Advance, I think, I, for, for I, sure. But uh, maybe DS, too. I miss that era Nickelodeon when, actually, most of the stuff I watched were, like, the foreign cartoons, like Little Prince. The Little Prince. You know what I love? In outer space, we'll catch a shooting star and sail away. Bell and Sebastian was fantastic. It was a serial. It was a you know, like just like like how uh, Cities of Gold, where it was a continuing saga every week, yeah. Bell and Sebastian. And when you were a kid, you could follow it out as a kid. I proposed to Vani with a uh, copy of Little Prince. Um, I oh. loved Eureka's Castle. That wasn't foreign, but I just loved the puppets on that shit. I, I love puppets. I got a little bit too old to appreciate it. I mean, Pinwheel was was my shit. I never watched Sesame Street. I was a pinwheel kid. I know you were. Co- I know you're a couple of years older than me, but it, I was too old probably for Eureka's Castle. You were too old for Eureka's Castle, but, too. But, but yeah. my love of like puppetry Eureka. and stuff, I, I just I watched. It was it. amusing. I remember being amusing with 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 uh, what were the two weird things? Yes, I don't remember the, their the names. Orange things. Yes. They were brother and sister. I love their voices. I can still Quazel hear them. and Quazel, whatever the hell. Quagmire, Quag- Quagmire, and something. Okay, I, were, I was close. I was on the right. Then you had the dragon. That was cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, but um, all right, we're off topic. Pinwheel, <laughs> pinwheel spinning around. All right, guys. Um, we have a podcast Patreon. Check it out if you want. We're going to be at Too Many Games, um, June twenty sixth to twenty eighth, or twenty fourth to twenty sixth. It's the last weekend of the month in Oaks, Pennsylvania. I'm tired. It's been a pretty good CU podcast. It's been a long one. It's been two two and a quarter hour almost. We've had a couple long ones in a row. I don't know if that's good or bad. We're losing it. Uh, we, uh, the burrito shop is closed, unfortunately. So I'm out with Noah on my arm. 
um, <laughs> for sustenance. I'll eat my knees. <laughs> Your bony knees. Yes. Uh, well, you've already eaten two IPAs. Jesus. Yeah, small ones. It's not like these are the big ones. These equal what I normally drink. Whatever you need to tell yourself to make yourself feel better about it. It's the same, same <laughs> amount of ounces. All right. For Ian Ferguson, I'm Pat Contry. Take care, everybody. Bye.